one. All right, we're here with all right, we're here with Hugo B of Time Warp Weekends. How you doing, man? How you been holding up during the uh, the pandemic? Hey, what's up? This is uh, Hugo B. I do uh, uh, online radio, and uh, my online radio is called Time Warp Weekends. And uh, how I've been doing in the pandemic. Um, like I was just telling you, um, I was uh, uh, at the start, it was kind of like confusing and it was kind of like, uh, you know, um, uh, uh, stressful. But um, uh, uh, now that it's like the third month, you know, and things are reopening back up, I'm doing uh, very good. You know, I've learned how to maintain. And, uh, you know, it was a time for reflection in a way. And uh, I was reflecting. I've been reflecting. You know, you only have 24 hours in a day. You're like, how can I use best my time in those 24 hours? And it's just figuring out, uh, you know, when you spend a lot of time with yourself, you're sort of like, oh, okay. You sort of get an idea of who you really are instead of always having this vague idea of all these distractions, you know, because you usually run through a week and you do so much sometimes you don't you're not, you don't get that much in touch with yourself. The, the lockdown really forced me to like become reflective and just like get acquainted with me. Nice. Really, really yeah, I was going to say, um, yeah, I was, I was going to say, um, I can definitely re- re- that, uh, I've mentioned this to a couple other people we've had on here that, um, definitely with a lot of, with like reflecting, um, as well, uh, on like on myself and everything, but I've found it's a really good time to get into music that I've never heard before and also rediscover stuff I hadn't listened to in a while. Um, I was going to ask you if you've been listening to anything, any new music. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, it's funny. It's like, uh, there's, there's never, um, uh, uh a drop like good music. So um uh, uh yeah I've been uh, I've been listening to a lot of new music and old music and I mean uh there's so many different genres I mean I know like my radio time warp weekends is mostly um uh, uh garage rock you know post punk you know that kind of vibe sometimes a little bit of noise you know and uh uh I realize and I post like new stuff and old stuff from the vaults you know yeah that's and great. And the vaults, there's so much stuff in the vaults that is still undiscovered, you know? It just, it just amazes me. So, yeah, uh, I've been listening to, like, you know, uh, I don't, I'm not going to get specific now. We can talk about, like, a, a specific band later on, but, like, uh, plenty of stuff uh, uh, that's coming out of uh, the U.S., you know? And, uh, uh, uh one band that I will say I've been revisiting or maybe visiting for the first time, but it's an old band. It's television personalities. Okay. Yeah. Actually, I don't really know. I only know that the name, I don't really know them that well. So like what era, where are they from? Like, or well, yes, where are they from? But like what um, era, like what years? It's really like the 78, 79. Okay. uh, UK, London, DIY, you know, at the same time as the sex pistols. You know, but yeah. sort of like a post-punk. They took more like a melodic, kind of like, it was kind of like the start of like indie pop. It's like indie okay. pop when it still had like some punk 
when the punk's elements were still vibrant, you know, he kind of like that, but made some kind of like indie pop thing, you know, kind of like a precursor to K Records. Oh, okay, shit. All right. Is it Dan Tracy? Yeah, Danielle Tr- Tr- Tracy, yes. Yeah, I've okay. seen th- I, ha- I haven't listened to them, but I've heard about him. And yes, I, I know some people have, they're, they're, they're a name that should be, that we should check out. And thank you for, for um, that. Yeah, the, the, one of the reasons why the, they kind of have like, uh, well, apart from them b- being good is also that uh, they have this song, this famous song called Part-Time Punks. You know, and it's kind of like it's a melodic kind of indie pop kind of vibe, but um, uh, it has that like um, uh, in the lyrics it has that punk ethos. You know, it's kind of like making fun of all the fashion punks, you know, of the era. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So it's funny to still have like that sort of like teenage making fun, ironic type of thing. You know, and it's from '79. You know, and uh, uh, they really capture that spirit. You know, that uh, that you know. Uh, idealistic, you know, sort of like making fun of people like too fashion or like too like mainstream. And it's like that never goes away. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, but I, I, also, I, I love that era so much where that there, for a long time, I didn't realize how many like great bands came out of that era or just even great like songs because I felt like, you know, stuff like the Pistols and Flash, and I like those bands, but they like almost some of the other bands just kind of overshadowed, you know what I mean? Some of the other stuff. And I started listening to some of the Killed by Death and like Bloodstains comps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know those ones? Yeah. Yeah, there's so many good, so many great songs that you just, it's it's weird. I don't know if you feel this way or not. Um, you mentioned indie pop stuff, and I definitely hear that in the, some of the, the, that era or like New Wave. But I also feel like there's a nice, um, like, precursor to hardcore punk or, like, a somehow – or, like, a nice middle from, like, the Ramon Sex Pistols to the hardcore. Um, some bands lean more towards the Ramon Sex Pistols kind of punk and then some of the other ones lean more towards the hardcore. But it's mm. almost like the like – it's like the, the connection between those styles. You know, like, it's starting to get more aggressive, um, you know, and – it's it's still but it's still like not quite on the aggression of the the hardcore and not quite that template but still uh getting more aggressive and getting you know just yeah just generally angrier darker you know i don't know yeah. if you felt that way or not there if you guys going i don't know i don't know i mean definitely that's i mean that, the thing is with those comps too is that they also i feel like there's a lot of variety as well so um you get like a lot of different stuff and a lot of those bands they put out like some of them out like a single or two and that was it yeah yeah those compilations are good for that to to just get like something that one guy put out you know and that's the only thing they put out and uh, and it happens to be like really good you know but like to the to speak about like the the darker like hardcore and like the mutation of that that punk thing going into the more hardcore thing. It, it's to me, it seems that at some point hardcore loses like a pop appeal. Mm, yeah. And, 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 you know, and then it just enters its own world, you know, then it's like almost completely detached. Yeah. From like that early punk that was still pop, you know? Right. 
Yeah, no, no, I, I agree. I think that's a really good point that, um, you know, even at, at the time, I think it's like hardcore in a lot of ways needs to really kind of reinvent itself or there needs to be some kind of character to it. But definitely at the time, um, like saying early 80s, when that shit hit, it really was, like you're saying, it, 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 people, they didn't, you didn't see people playing that fast. You know what I mean? And you're, you're right. They stripped away the pop, you know, and like punk music before, it, you know, they were starting to take away that structures. And, you know, all the new, no wave, all of those no wave bands did all that the, on a whole other different level too. It was like really taking like, okay, so we're going to take this punk rock. Then you're saying anarchy and chaos and not following the rules, but we're going to take it to a whole other level. Um, I don't know. That's definitely a draw, draw for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to say, going back to we were talking about everything with the pandemic, um, just going back to things in Montreal, I haven't really kept up as much with like Canada or Montreal. How are, how is everything now? You started to say things are starting to open up. Like what is, what's going on? And um, I don't know if you want to talk about that a little bit. Um, <clears throat> well, I'm I'm a live show type of guy, and uh, I document live shows. I play a lot of bands that I see play live. I play their songs on my radio, and um, uh, we still don't know when venues are going to open back up. Right. So because uh, they are still worried about like having full capacity in some in some venues, you know, in some spaces, you know, they, they don't want to have that many people all huddled up together. So uh, if, if we don't have like a date for venues to, to open back up to me, it's like, we're still on lockdown, you know? So the things that have opened, are just like, you know, shopping malls, you know? Uh, oh, damn. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, like they don't let everyone in at the same time. Sure, sure, yeah. Um, uh, you know, like just uh, regular businesses that have a door like on the street, you know, uh, museums are opening in the next two weeks, I think. So, oh, wow. So, you know, you really feel like things are going to open back up, you know, and the weather is so nice. And I mean, it, 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 it's, it, it doesn't make sense that people stay inside, you know, so you really see that people are leaving their houses and just being. Are most outside. people wearing masks? Some are, but not everyone is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I see that a lot around here where some people are, but a lot of people aren't. Um, I honestly, I haven't really even, I've only left my house a couple of times, actually. I mean, I don't, when I say that, I mean, I, I left my like house and I've walked around my neighborhood and stuff, but like, I haven't really gotten out really gone outside a few times but when i when i walk around i i only see like a few people in my area wearing masks most people don't um but you know who knows who knows you know uh, you know uh, we were pretty we hit pretty hard what's that i was gonna say my memories of montreal are fond chris myself and our friend brian visited hugo (laughs) in September and it feels it feels like quite a bit ago but mm. we, we we had such a great time it was our first time hell yeah well my first time going there but for I guess first yeah 
first underground experience with the master himself, Hugo B. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Th- thank you, yeah. Mr. H- Hugo B, for that experience. Yeah, I say, yeah, you were an amazing host. I'll say definitely, it was a, it was a great. Uh, we, I mean, we walked so much. Um, you know, that, that that was probably that's what I loved the most. We were just just walking around, hanging out. Really got, um, you know, great sense of Montreal. What, what's the name of that record store that you brought us to that I really like? Um, the one where um, Gritty bought like twenty records. <laughs> I went a little overboard. And the guy talked about <laughs> Arcade Fire. Yeah. Oh, what was his name? Zach? Zach. Zach. His name oh, Zach. Okay. Um, the store, I think, is called Sonorama. Okay, that sounds better. That sounds familiar. Um, I think so. I don't... I'm, I'm not sure if that's accurate. But, but, uh, but on that same street, there's a, there's a couple of different record stores. But uh, Montreal has a great record store uh, culture, you know? Um. I used to uh, work in a record store um, uh, uh, when I was a teenager um, uh, around the same area. And uh, um, I don't know, I think, I think Montreal, because kind of like um, uh, it has a long history of like DIY culture. Uh, you just have a lot of people that are just like all about the music and all about like the, the, the art of it. And, um, and uh, I mean, in the same area we can have like 12 almost 12 record stores like 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 people are just to consume an art and consuming music in the city and it shows you know and uh, uh when you guys came um we couldn't go to like a, a an underground show but if you guys come next time i'll take you to some underground shows and you'll see it's like uh, there's just like a magnet attraction people are just drawn to uh uh having underground shows in the city hell yeah man yeah i want to see uh oh. the ash rat terra's band yeah. uh, that'd be amazing all the classics wow. i was going to ask you actually you talked about working at a record store as a teenager um i wanted to ask you about you know obviously music's a big part of your life and you know with doing the time warp weekends and everything um, you know, what was like a big, what got you into music as a, as a kid and, and or as a you know, young person, like what got you into just music in general, like what kind of stuff were you getting into when you were young and when you were a kid? Well, um, I just got into music, uh, because of, uh, uh, other students at my school, um, but I mean, I was in the third grade, you know, and they they, we, they were just like talking about music and just watching music videos on TV, you know, but I was like eight years old or nine years old. This, like what year? 89, 89, uh, yeah, cool. <laughs> yeah, 80, 89, 91, 92, you know, and uh, uh, I guess, you know, a lot, like I talk to a lot of people that are like DJs now and yeah. I mean, it's like everybody, right? You 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 start what's on the radio, what's being right. marketed to you, you know, and then you sort of like evolve into like your own taste, you know. And uh, uh, the turning point for me was really like uh, starting to go to record stores and discovering all all these other artists that were putting out records that nobody played on the radio, you know. Yeah. And uh, and uh, uh, the the. Uh, 
I met someone who had a radio show on college radio and I was still in high school. And uh, uh, she invited me to like co-host her show. And uh, uh, I think what really um, kind of like uh, my apprenticeship was really uh, college radio culture. So just this idea that, you know, you're, you're, you're playing for like um, uh, uh, either a student uh, population or uh, our was actually a community radio station. So it was run by students, but it was actually on the FM dial. So the whole city could hear it, you know, and uh, and just being part of that and just that whole ethos of promoting independent artists like as an alternative to the mainstream. That's that's just always been my ethos, you know. And uh, I did radio for uh, for that radio station like for like a long time, six or seven years, and then when the whole internet revolution happened, just moved it online. Wow! So that's it. Uh, I was gonna say, so okay. So that radio station. Uh, so we're, this is '90s Montreal. Yeah, this is late '90s, like from yeah. like '97 yeah. to like 2005. Wow, that, that's wild, man. So what, what was the name of the station? CKUT 90.3. FM. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So it was sponsored by uh, McGill University. Okay. It's like, yeah. The famous McGill McGill University. Yeah, Yeah, because I remember. Yeah. Oh, sorry, go on. No, I was just going to say McGill University had a lot of controversial programs uh, in the 60s. And one of them was um, uh, the atom bomb. So part of the atom bomb was built in, in McGill University. Wow. Um, that's pretty wild. Uh, uh, I was going to say, with, um, you had mentioned to me before that you, got, you were really big into hip-hop as a, as a teenager. Yes. Was that a lot of um, just the influence of like a lot of the rise of hip-hop and popular music as a, as a growing up as a kid or was that the influence of the radio station or combination of the two yeah it was or something else it was yeah. it was just my environment um yeah. i i grew up in like an, an immigrant uh, working class neighborhood in montreal you know and i mean i i didn't have any white friends until i was in college i uh, uh, like every city like is, is montreal used to be heavily segregated and uh and uh, I swear to you, I didn't have like white, I had acquaintances, but like getting personal with like uh, a, not, uh, a white person was until much later in my life. So it was just the environment on me, what the older kids were listening to, what my older brother was listening to. My older brother was into Cypress Hill, nice. you know, and, mm-hmm. and uh, 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 they were kind of mainstream, but they still had like an underground uh, credibility, yeah. you know, and definitely. Growing up with those, with with um, with that around me, uh, I was I was really into hip hop. Um, I was one of the first kids in the neighborhood that had a satellite dish, so I could get uh, a TV from the U.S. So That's I had cool. MTV, I had the BET, I had um, uh, the Box. So I have like I had all these different music channels from New York and from Los Angeles. And uh, I was the kid that taped videos and I would just tape videos from my friends of like music videos. Sure, so yeah. you have <laughs> yeah. these VHSs running around with music videos, you know? Yeah, man. Dude, that sounds fucking awesome. I know you were shooting Gritty's video a couple years ago. Um, I, say, I, I can 
I can totally picture that too. Back in back in the days, the VHS tapes. Um, I mean, I honestly, I I miss VHS. You know, uh, I miss just that uh, gritty quality, if you will, with the with the VHS tapes. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how do you how do you feel about that? Because I I know like sometimes, obviously, you have uh, you know vast knowledge of film and photography and, and you know the different styles and stuff like that how do you feel about some of the, like the transitions to you know like obviously digital but some of these like, mm-hmm. things that look quote unquote like you know prettier or better versus yeah. like the more that you know that vhs which was just how every it just it just was what it was you know that's what everyone used it for whatever yeah. it was um you know yeah i mean i don't know if it's just uh-huh. I mean, nostalgia for some yeah. people or is it yeah. really like it's a preference or yeah I'd, I'd like to hear like you know obviously you have um, yeah expertise in this area yeah you know, so so uh the way i look at it i, I think there, there's always going to be an element of nostalgia mm-hmm. but i'm uh um um i don't know i think it's um um there's uh there's when it was new it was like it had something a little bit more special because it wasn't clear. It was kind of like uh, blurry. So uh, uh, the fact that you didn't have that r- real life fidelity, it just made it more uh, blurry, made it more like um, uh, dreamy. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, and I think that's what we lose with like the super like uh, pristine stuff, you know? So um, uh, uh, uh uh, that's why it's not just in the visual, but in uh, a lot of the music that I that I listen to, a lot of it is uh, is uh, recorded uh, analog. You know. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, that's that's a good point. Uh, even though like, a lot of the music it has that older quality to it, because that's how I mean, that's how the records, all the records were up. You know, at a certain point. I I, I agree. I think that. Um, with any kind of art form, a lot of times when they try to clean things up, fix the mistakes, you know, it gets rid of a lot of the, what what's the organic quality yes. to it, you know? Uh, I, I agree. Um, I just love, too, some of those, like, even just, if you look at, like, a Super 8, just love that, you know, just the quality of it. I, and then I, I get, um, you know, when I see something that looks so, like, right in, like you said, a pristine way, I, I more often than not, I actually get turned off by it. Exactly. Um, um, yeah. I'll have an equivalent in, uh, in music. Uh, one of uh, the bands I listen to, they're, they're called Sex Tide. And uh, they're from uh, Columbus, Ohio. Um, they just had a record on the Feed and Tube Records nice. uh, two years ago. Um, and uh, uh, one of the songs, I mean, first of all, it's recorded on four track and, and you can hear it. You know, you hear a lot of hits in the background. And uh, uh, one of the songs, I think it was the start of the B-side, um, the vocals come in weird, like like the first three seconds were cut off, or like like it comes in the middle of someone saying something. And at first I was really shocked because I was like, yeah, that doesn't sound clean. You know, it doesn't sound like a song you would play on a radio show. And, you know, people would think, oh, what just happened there? Is that a mistake? But um, uh, 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 I spoke to the band and they told me that it was actually the best track that 
the best vocal track that they could use is just that they press record a little bit too late, but it was the best vocal track. So they decided to le- leave that mistake in. Oh, shit. Yeah, see, I, I love stuff like that. Though, you know what I mean? Like, you know, that's some of my favorite shit, especially like in a movie or whatever. You know, when you hear, when something is a mistake that just, it just hits perfectly. Yeah. That wasn't planned. Yeah. yeah, and it and it it uh, it changes the mood of the recording because now you see it as like the the recording of a specific moment in time. It's not just like oh, that's a song that they rehearsed and they tried to play their best. Right. You know, it's no, it was like a specific moment in time that was recorded, and I mean, uh, there, there was no tracking on on the song. You know, so you know it was like a, a live experience. Right, and mm-hmm. I think that adds quality to it. Well, that, that's a good point right there. Just the live experience. I mean, live versus record. That's why I love going to shows is that, you know, the record is going to be the record. You know, it's not going to change just once it's put out. Um, you know, that's what the record is. But you go to a show. A show can be different every night. I mean, some bands kind of run, a lot of bands eventually run through the same kind of stuff. But either way, the entire experience of the show, no matter who you're seeing, the experience itself is going to be different every night and ideally a, a good band a great band is gonna they're gonna switch it up every night one way or another um so i agree i think that if you can even on some level emulate that in a record or the recording it's it's amazing or like in video you know or a photograph um i was gonna ask you um about uh so when we met you, was at Garner Fest in what two thousand sixteen? Mm-hmm. Yes. So, you know, you had been Garner Fest a few times at that point when we met you. So you're, I mean, you're obviously into uh, some of the rock and roll, punk kind of stuff. Yes. When did you start to get into that kind of music? I know you play that a lot on the show. Yeah. Uh- you know what? I I uh, I w- I didn't listen to that until um, I I just I got into it in um, around 2011, 2012, and uh, um, it started. I think with um, um, let me think. Um, I was gonna say, I remember you mentioning that actually, two thousand. That it was around two thousand eleven that you were getting into that. I was, uh, I was can't remember nuts? who you said though, but I remember we. I'm having like a, a flashback. I'm having a flat flashback to having, a, uh, I think barbecue or pizza or something at, at Goner Fest. <laughs> we were talking about it, and you were like, "Yeah, got into this stuff around 2011. Yeah, like, oh, we, we were in yeah. that. Booth. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know what it was. Um, um I think. We're on Beale Street. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Beale Street, yeah. Memphis is, is 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 like an amazing place. I mean, we can talk about Ghana Fest later, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Uh, no, I, I yeah. mean, I'm going to Ghana Fest. It was it was uh, going to Memphis. It was just like um, uh, getting into the the music and just trying to understand the culture, and then and then figuring out that there was like a whole scene there with Ghana. And like get to know those guys, and 
And just like uh, uh, playing catch up and all the Ghana catalog and you're like, okay, you know, there's like, uh, uh, these people are, are like uh, trying to like um, uh, create something around a specific aesthetic, you know? And, and that aesthetic is like, is like really deep, you know, it has its, its sounds, it has its visuals, but it also has like its uh, organizational capacity and, and, and just trying to create like a rock and roll record, you know, like this object, you know, that captures this, this type of spirit. Was that so, um, a novel thing uh, for you? I'm sorry? Was that a novel, that? was that a novel new experience for you? That you hadn't had in to that me, kind of way? To me, or, actually, yeah. I was trying to, uh, I was trying to, uh, to find what I used to have with hip hop. Because the thing is that I got into hip hop in the, in the early 90s, mid 90s, late 90s. And it wasn't uh, a mainstream uh, genre. Mm. It, it, it was still like uh, in the margins, like mainstream it, you know, and it didn't have a mainstream format. And if you go and listen to music, to rap music from that era, it's actually like really non-mainstream. It's like basically like uh, three uh, 60 measure verses. So like basically like 56 measures of like words, you know, and, and kind of like, you know, uh, polyrhythms, you know, it's, it's this almost intense free jazz thing that's going on, you know. Yeah, th uh, there were some pop elements, you know, but the, the the spirit of it it was it was like this like as thing you know and uh, when it became mainstream and every corporation co-opted it it just became like this disco pop thing yeah I agree with you on that um, I think also yeah I mean by the time like I think some of that stuff I was when I was a little bit like of a kid I remember hearing some cool rap stuff but I by the time I kind of got to be like bit older at teen um i think i was initially in some respects because i did like some rap stuff but some other stuff i think i heard was more the stuff that you're referring to where it just felt like uh, i think i want to say krs1 said it wasn't hip-hop it was hip-hop <laughs> and uh you know and like you know it was no longer chuck d it was you know whoever whatever you know popular rapper at the time was you know and i agree and i remember that's what i think initially yeah i want to i want to say initially because there was rap stuff i liked when i heard that like i was able to hear it as a kid but but i didn't really get big into it but i remember initially being more that's why i wanted to throw myself into the arms of like rock music or whatever metal you know i'm talking like i'm like 10 or 11 12 and then it took me a few years and then i started listening to some of the, the classic hip-hop stuff um because I think I, you're absolutely what you're saying was they, they really did. It was co-opted. It was, uh, it was just very commercial, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and you know, and that, that, I mean, it's the same story with, with rock and roll music. It's the same thing. You know, you start to then see, they just take something and it becomes completely watered down. Um, you know, it's a story with, a lot of genres though but um but of course there's always the underground yeah yep when you first um, started getting into yeah the the goner stuff the we'll call it garage just to simplify it but the punk of the rock and roll variety what was your the first things that you can remember consuming or was there any 
media outlets? Were you just looking up stuff on your own? Uh, was this Bandcamp? Um, I'm just trying to think for someone that's just starting to get into something that you're not that familiar with, what, um, what path did you take for that initiation? Uh, you know, I, I really like the garage rock surf stuff, you know, um, uh, uh, the kind of bu bu budget stuff, you know, and, and kind of like the, um, uh, the rock and roll rockabilly kind of stuff, you know, um, uh, I, I, and, and then you'd get like all those, all those compilations and, and all that, like old rock and roll stuff that was based off the blues, you know? And yeah. uh, um, uh, I was really into the history of that, you know, that the stuff from the sixties and you know, the, the psychedelic stuff. Um, um, uh, I was really into the history of that. And uh, uh, it's, it's, it's later, it's like my love for that, that eventually made me stumble onto, um, uh, I mean, I don't know if you've heard, uh, what was that? <laughs> Can you still hear me? Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Uh, there's an alien. Yeah. So at some point I stumbled on, on Guitar Wolf. And I don't know if you've heard that record. Um, uh, yeah. It's the first record that Goner put out, Wolf Rock. Right, right. It was, it was actually just a coincidence. I wasn't looking for it. I just found it at a used record store. And I put that on. And I mean it just sounded so perfect like the way it's recorded like it sounds like the music is coming from another room and like the bass yeah. is so loud you know uh uh the way they're screaming you know and all those like uh 60s riffs yeah what was know? the story behind it it's like it was uh there's something messed up with the recorder what what's you might know better than me i, I, I forget I, what the exact story i think it's just the demo it, okay, it's the yeah. is the guitar wolf demo that they decided to print to uh to, to vinyl yeah and, yeah and, uh, okay but it's but it's so amazing i mean they do like a link ray cover yeah yeah and and you listen to Link Ray stuff you know and you're like wow like you want to live in that world where like you hear like cars are roaring you know and there's like a fucking baseline that's like making you groove uh it's like wow how, how can how can people record music like that and just have all this energy in it you know so so that's how i got into all the other gunner stuff you know yeah that's a that's a really good point too that i think what you're tapping into of the idea of like you said like a link ray cover and just some of the you know a familiar sound of the old school rock and roll but distorting it and yes. making it into this whole other messed up thing that I I think that's constantly, at least for me, what I'm looking for and something that any band, I don't know, I think that's worth, I think that's worthwhile really is that's what you really want to do is challenge something, the audience or something with that. Um, even stuff I like a lot of times it does fall into a formula or something, you know, um, but that's the best, I mean, that's the best stuff, though, is constantly, you know, pushing it to that, you know, going back to what we were saying before, Ramones, I mean, Sex was when that came out, that was like, you know, it was, it, it was really kind of weird, but the Ramones, it was a weird take on stuff, you know, all that punk stuff, 
but then the hardcore stuff was even you know even more even more taken you know past that of the dynamic that that punk stuff, initial punk stuff started i think that really that's I, i'm more fascinated always by that of like you know someone taking like a template or something and distorting it into something else that i mean on one hand it's cool for people to like it but if people are don't or don't understand it or are pissed off by it you almost like you know you're doing it right away you know like you know if someone's questioning it it's like that's good you know what i mean it's at least getting a reaction out of people instead of like even stuff that we like where it starts to fall into the same sort of trap of you know we kind of like what we've come to expect yes it's all at least i mean that's 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 always i think the for me anyway that's like the the one of the biggest things that i kind of look into when looking into something um and yeah and, uh, and, uh, and and when you look into it and then you listen to all these compilations like all the killed by death yeah. stuff you know and in the uk they have this one called the mesthetics and and you look at all that stuff and it's done by people that are not professional musicians you know or that were never successful you know and and you're like oh, okay you know so it's it's as if uh there's like this uh this thing that people are after that they can't really articulate and making this song like one time in their lives is like their attempt at articulating that special thing, you know? Yeah, that's actually, that's a really good way to put it too. And um, like you I mean, I think that points too to like, I, we were saying earlier where like some of these bands only put out like a single or two or something and that was it or whatever, you know, whatever happened to it. Um, yeah, man. I, okay, I I really like that. I, like the that it was just a, uh, you know, they couldn't quite articulate. It. I, I mean, it's. I think it really gets into, you know, the more we start to get into this stuff, it, it starts to you start to get away from like, the myths in a way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which is what it's like. But rock and roll. That's what punk. All this stuff really should be. Anyway, Glenn and I have talked about this before it starts to get into you know whether it's like ethical stances sort of different things where everything's supposed to be i don't know like breaking the rules or whatever or anti something and then you know a lot of times you find out it's like you know when you're a kid sometimes you hear like punk rock and stuff like that all this different stuff and then you find out all these bands are on major labels (laughs) it doesn't me it doesn't change necessarily how like I still love the Ramones and everything, but, but it's weird. But then you then you peel back and you hear it's like you hear like half Japanese, you hear the germs, or maybe not even maybe the germs. And I forget label they were on, but you get my point of like you start to and then you start to hear more about these underground bands, and it's like you start to just keep peeling back, and then you sort of at least for me, I feel like the realization is you're not necessarily at least for me, you're not seeking out any sort of like idol or someone to look up you have to kind of look at yourself and then you create your own it's the inspiration you don't really put any emphasis on any one particular person or thing you 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 take like the idea of it you know and then your own yeah and and that's 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 some something i've always struggled with you know and uh i'm also like a uh 
when I started getting into music and doing college radio, I also used to write for like magazines or like local magazines, which were basically zines, you know, things people would print out and just leave in record stores. Sure. Yeah. And, uh, and I've, I've always like, like tried to conceptualize the idea of what a scene is, you mm-hmm. know? And I think I've come to the conclusion that a scene is just what someone can define at some point in time, you know, whether by writing about it, you know, or by speaking on a radio show or by having like a, a consecutive like radio show that if you take them all together, they create a specific sound, you know. So I think uh, scenes are like self-produced in a way, you know, it's like everyone has their own personal scene. Mm, that's a good way to put it. I feel like Glenn and I were talking about this before, like you even were saying, Glenn, that <clears throat> that word sometimes can be off-putting to people, like scene. I always, I think of it more as a positive way, but I get what you mean. Um, I don't know, how, how do you feel? You Like, so kind of going off of that, what you just said, you, you know, because I, I, I agree in, in a way, I, I've always liked to it a lot of ways that there's almost like pockets of scenes that have a lot of overlap. Um, but I don't know, do you think that like necessarily that, that the word, that scene is, is more, can be, <laughs> that scene is, is like, uh, you know, uh, is a more of a thing or a more of a positive thing, or it's just perceptions getting in the way mm-hmm. or something. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, it depends how you use the word. If sure. you're talking about a local scene, then you're talking about like the people within a geographical space, sure. you know, sure. but if, if, if someone has a radio show and they talking about like the underground garage rock scene, like what I try to do on time warp weekends, you know, it's sort of like go around the world and see what like people in, in Sweden and the underground scene in Sweden are listening to, you know, and like, and like, you know, more developed countries, maybe, you know, maybe there's a bias there, but uh, uh, sometimes I'm a, uh, uh, underground bands that are not professional musicians go on tour in, in, in Europe, you know, and then they start to play in the same venues as local bands from there. And then, then I think there's a case you can make for like a scene that's being created because once these two separate bands from different places play in the same scene, it's almost like there's a fusion, you know, there's a blending in of like, uh, a different geographical spaces and i think you can make a case once things start blending in that it creates a scene it creates this thing you know yeah. obviously someone has to write about it you know to make yeah. those connections you know so so that's why i think uh, when we think about music and all that stuff we and and we think about fandom you know we have to go beyond just saying oh they're musicians and i'm just a consumer no i think everyone that listens to it can be uh, touched and can be activated to, to, to sort of help build a bigger picture, you know? And I think that's what I try to do with Time Warp Weekends and writing about it and taking pictures yeah. about it, you know? You definitely um, achieved uh, that. Uh, make people see stuff and, 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 and see connections. It's almost like... Yeah, absolutely. I think yes. you've been successful at doing that. I, yeah. What I like about the Time Warp Weekends uh, is it's it's almost like what we were saying before with compilations it's you compiling all of this different music that might not necessarily relate to each other in any way but you have it in that centralized spot and what i also like too is you're not posting a ton of stuff all at once it seems like whatever you 
you know, your recent uploads are spaced a little bit apart. And for me, I like that because then I can really concentrate and sometimes, or I don't know, maybe all the time, you write like a little blurb about the, the music. And I just find that sort of an amazing way to consume music that's not this Spotify overabundance or on YouTube where you can just go to your SoundCloud and boom, you just click and then a song will play and then another song will play. And it's, you can just spend some time with your, with your world, what your vision is of the underground. Yeah, and uh, I like SoundCloud because of that. Uh, and because if you think about it, if you go on Spotify, yeah, you could find some underground garage stuff, but there's still a bias, right? Because the company has to have a deal with Spotify, you know? You have to pay to get the so, music on there. So there's uh, so many uh, bands, right? And you aren't. have to pay, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you, so... Yeah, is it purposeful yeah, to, to quick to uh, interject real quick? Sure. So, um, it's almost nine o'clock. Are we do we have to uh close out this meeting and then read? But, no, uh, Glenn, I saw that you bought like unlimited minutes or something. No, right? I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't buy that, it said that it was a gift, it was a gift from Zoom. Yep. So we, we were oh, just right, we, cool. yeah, we, we were just getting right. with unlimited minutes, so we can we can go on. Take forever. it. Yeah. 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 It's, let's just say that it sounds like just uh your voice a little heavy. I don't know if it's just my phone or I don't know if it's just me. Glenn. Mine or Glenn's? Glenn's. Yeah, Glenn, it's like you're cutting out. Do you know why? Yeah. I cut out a bit. It, it seems like you guys are cutting out a little bit as well. But if it seems yeah, as if I'm cutting in and is, out, is it is it just me or is it just, or it could be the session? But it, it's not like too bad. I think I, I can know. hear Hugo perfect fine all the time. Uh, I don't know if it's me or not, but I can hear Hugo fine. But you're coming in a little in that. Yeah, Glenn. Whenever you speak, you kind of like cut out all the time. It's like. It's a little rough. It sounds a little better now. Okay. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll ease our way into it. Yeah, yeah, guys. I mean, I'm I'm glad I'm glad we're talking about about this. I'm glad we're talking about this because uh, uh, it's true. You know, I'm a, a usually like uh, uh, remember Terminal Border. Yeah. You know that that was a yeah. a place to look for oh, music. Yeah. You know. And and that's kind of dead now. Yeah. Um. Uh, uh. What do you have now? Like fucking pitchfork. Like fuck that. You know. Uh, All you have. Uh, is who else? I mean, Bandcamp. You know, Bandcamp has like wait, punk. You know, but it, but. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, although no all those guys, you know, uh, uh, they're great. They're but but yeah, exactly. There's no curation. You know those guys are like uh just supporting their friends record label you know yes exactly it's yeah. definitely it's, no. it's, it's uh, one could argue that it's exactly like that and it's a, and it's important to have uh, people that, 
like, you know, and that's one of the reasons why I don't get like deeply involved with like uh, any of these people, like on a friendship level, like, I mean, except you guys, you know, the, the, that was just a natural thing. But, but um, uh, uh, sometimes when people have like a, a, an, an emotional stake or like a relationship, you know, it skews uh, a lot of the curation. So mm. it's important. It's important to have like a removal, you know, like, okay, no, I'm not pleasing like the people I know that make music. I'm just discovering this uh, uh, universe of like music that's out there. You know, is it harder on the? Local I agree, hundred percent. Like, uh... so on the local level. I promote a lot of local bands, but I don't promote them because they're from here. I promote them because I feel that they sound like 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 something that would fit into what I'm looking for. You know, they they, they 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 meet the requirements from like my standards. Yeah, no, I, I love that. It, that's what I love about uh, you know, time warp weekends. <laughs> like I can I get that impression, and I think that's why we got along so well. I mean, similar thing with, with us where, you know, with booking shows, we only book bands that we, that we, that we like and, and really enjoy and respect. And, um, you know, if there's something that we're not into, well, we're just not into it. It doesn't mean that it doesn't mean anything bad. We're just not into it. You know what I mean? But it's a weird thing is I've talked to other people that book shows and for the most part, they don't have that same philosophy and I'm not, I'm not knocking them. I'm not saying it like in a bad way. Cause I think everyone has a different approach, but, but I've heard people say they're like, you know, like, Oh wow. I then they booked this awesome show and I'm like, yeah, this was a great show. And they're like, yeah, I mean, I really love all the bands on the bill and you know, it doesn't always work that way. Sometimes you book stuff or you got to book stuff you don't like. And I, I, I can't relate to that at all. Like I don't, you know what I mean? And um, like if I was booking, from a venue standpoint, I'd say, okay, like if you're a venue, you can't really, I mean, it would be unfair to dictate your taste, but we're, you know, if you're an independent booker though, it's like, for me, for us, we just, we, we just want to do the stuff that we're into. Like, why wouldn't we, you know, and uh, just encourage your own stuff. They, you know, and uh, I mean, that's DIY, you know, if you're in a band and, you know, you can always book your own shows or find people who do like your musical. Um, and I, I don't know. So I think that's a, it's a similar thing where it's like, they kind of have to, it's like, this has to be something that I'm also into, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, and I think, uh, curation, you can, or you can call it collecting, you know, it's a form of art, you know, uh, uh, me, I feel like, uh, uh, like I said before, like it, what I play has to meet a certain standard, sure. you know? And, and, and sometimes you take a risk. Sometimes I take a risk. I'm like, you know what? I'm not sure this meets my standard, but maybe I'm trying to push myself, you know? And, uh, and sometimes it's, it fails, you know, but some, sometimes it works, you know? Uh, yeah, but, but the idea, the idea remains the same. You know, you're like, you're discovering, you know, you're honest with yourself. You, you admit to yourself that your taste can change, you know? And and you just like uh, watch yourself evolve in that. Yeah, yeah, no, de definitely. That that's one thing that anyone that's written about music, uh, I'll say like it's totally worth it for people to to point 
things out where it's like, hey, you like this at this point, you didn't like this at other point. But it's like, I will say though that it's like, who doesn't have you know a time where you heard a band and you didn't like it, didn't hit you at first, and then a few years later or whenever, you know, it, it, you know, heard and it stuck, you know, or something, or or it hit you in a different way. And I feel like sometimes music writers. Um, sometimes bore the brunt of that where they're held to almost like a different standard or something as if they're like, whereas the everyday, everyone usually has that, that hat, you know, at least once where they, where, you know, you heard something a different time and, and it, you know, you, it kind of clicked for you in a way it didn't before. But a lot of times people will be like, Oh yeah, you know, look, Hey, but in 2009, you said that, you know, you thought this was shit. And it's like, <laughs> I mean, come on, you <laughs> know, like, like, I mean, so what, you know, and, it sounds ridiculous, but I've had that before where someone's like, Hey, like you, you wrote about this and you thought it sucked, whatever. It's like, well, yeah, whatever, man. It's like, you know I mean? Obviously there's nefarious things out there where there are people who are spread bullshit or whatever, but sometimes other times people's opinions can change. Taste can change, you know? Yeah, definitely. And I mean, uh, I want to go back to the fact that I'm a, uh, one thing, you know, there's people that like have magazines and stuff or like write for magazines and, and sometimes there's like a, a commercial incentive or like, or it's just their job, sure. you know, they're like, yeah. that's how they survive. So, so they have to write and sometimes they have to express opinions that, you know, um, uh, they shouldn't really be held accountable for it. You know, not in a bad way, you know, it's just that, yeah. that's, that's your hustle, you know, that's, that's what you do to make live in you know but me growing up in the college radio community uh you know you're not supposed to have a financial interest in 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 promoting independent art so that's kind of like the stance where i come from if i'm if i'm promoting these like underground independent artists you know, it's not because i'm trying to um uh uh you know uh give more um uh, clout to my or anything no it, it it has to come just from a place of like sharing you know yeah no um yeah i, I agree 100 percent. and um I, yeah I, I think that that definitely shows with, with what you've done um and actually i wanted to ask you so when did you start time warp weekends and like were you doing that kind of stuff before you know different projects or was it just with time warp weekends they were doing um or also i i guess i'm kind of curious just when you started taking pictures of shows and different things like that yeah so i i think i started time warp weekends maybe like a year before going to ghana fest the first year so maybe in 2014 you know and uh i just hadn't reached that level yet because i was consuming a lot of this stuff like the stuff like the the uh the 60s stuff the psychedelic stuff and i felt like i had reached that point where like okay uh i know enough now that i can start sharing a little bit of what i know you know yeah. And um, uh, uh, that's that's when I started, and uh, and uh, and then at the same time when I started doing that radio thing, I was curious about the local scene, um, and uh, that's how I discovered Gash Rat, for example. You know, uh, it's funny, Emma. 
uh, I used to listen to their music online and, and I used to want to go see them live. And uh, whenever I went, always something always happened that I missed the show. Either they couldn't play, like something happened that night they couldn't play, or I went outside for a smoke. And, uh, <laughs> and when I came back, they were done playing. Oh, damn. Dude, I, I, I def- we've definitely been there before. Or like we'd take the train and the train would run early and something like the, the show would run late. And yeah, I mean, that definitely happened a number of times for us as well. It's, um, yeah. <laughs> so so uh, I, I, I studied cinema, you know, at Concordia University. I have a fine art degree in, in cinema just because I, I was curious about cinema and uh and uh that sort of motivated me to take up photography and i used to do uh, a street photography so i did a lot of that a lot of people start that way when they start doing photography and uh and uh but i was really shy of like uh, taking pictures of people i i didn't do street photography with people i did a lot of street photography just architecture and uh um uh i got sick of just doing architecture and and then when i started going to shows i'm like okay you know what uh, people usually don't mind being uh, photographed when they're performing. Yeah. So I'm going to start doing that, you know, but uh, the way I do it, it's very subtle. I don't come with a big camera. Usually they're like small cameras. Uh, uh, I don't take numerous pictures. I try to find the perfect moment in a performance and just try shot. If I'm good, if I don't get it too bad. You mm, know? That, that's a really good point. Cause um I feel like a lot of people do the opposite. I mean, I don't know enough, but like just what I've seen, because it's kind of funny because, um, you know, good or bad, I've seen some people take like a ton of photos. And it's kind of funny because uh, even seen on like websites or blogs, you just see like sh- photos from the show shows and some of them come out really nice. But, uh, but at the same time, it's just, there's just like tons of photos and it almost, it almost makes it, seem like like it's overkill that like what's the special moment really or what's a great shot it's hard to tell or even see where that that vision might be because there's just so many photos you know or um so i think i know what you're what you're what you're saying um yeah yeah Yeah. so so uh i've been doing it for like six years almost i think i started 2013 seven years and and only only now like uh um the way i work with when i make when i create something like a, a, a photography series or something there has to be an accumulation uh you know i can't just take a picture pictures one year and say okay i'm done with it, you yeah know? uh i think the fact now that it's been seven years that i've been accumulating pictures and i just like you know uh i don't know 15 25 good ones a year maybe you know it's only after a few years that you can say okay now there's a body of work that's that's coming into into its own you know so uh, just to say that it it takes time you know if you want to create something like that's meaningful you know uh uh like you said just putting out like 25 pictures of the same performance it kind of loses its uh, what's special about it yeah yeah definitely i this may be a difficult question to an- to answer there, but like, what do you define as what's like a good picture, a good shot? Like what's a good photo versus something that's just like, eh, whatever. I'm just, it's just the mundane. 
um, it's it's really I work with uh, with uh, 35 millimeters, so that's like film photography that you have to get it developed, you know, and and that's a chemical pro process that takes place. So basically, um, uh, the film itself is has a chemical layer. Uh, when you take a picture, the light from the scene comes into the camera and does like an effect on the that's film photography and depending on the use camera you're using the effect is going to be different so to me a good picture is that uh it doesn't look like it it, it looks a little bit smeared okay. it, you know it looks a little bit blurry you know uh, uh there's there's things that are I didn't expect them to be there that are there, you know, like maybe the side of it has like a, a blue green light, but just on the corner of it. So uh, it's, it's about, it's really it's about going back to the VHS thing. It's about like the, the imperfections, the sort of like, you know, it, it's not perfect. Uh, uh, but, but there's something about it that makes it special. Mm, yeah. No, I, I like that a lot. Um, I actually, just wanted to, I'm curious about something you were saying earlier of like taking pictures at shows and then, so when you're going, going to like local shows, say in Montreal with, when you were, started to go into local shows, taking pictures to go back to when you were at the radio station, were you going to shows in Montreal, like local shows then too? Yeah, I was uh, I was going to local shows when I was doing uh, the radio. But uh, when I was doing radio, I was actually playing hip hop music. So I was going to hip hop shows, and I, I actually helped organize a few hip hop shows. But I mean, it it's not it has nothing to do with. It's a completely different thing than garage rock or punk shows. You know, there's no live instruments really. You know, right? Uh, it, it it was it was a different scene. Uh, it was good too, but it didn't really give itself to photography. And and I didn't really have that photography bug yet, you know. That that would come much more later in my life. Interesting. So you say it didn't give itself to like it didn't. Uh, yeah, because much, uh, uh, the the shows themselves didn't really exactly. They weren't like shows where the band was on the same floor as you. There were shows where there there was always a stage, you know. Oh, there was right, like a, a separation, you know. What I like about underground underground garages is that the the musicians are like right next to you if you want to get get in get in the in the front row you know and uh and and that's that's a different kind of connection especially when you know their songs like when you're aware of the lyrics you know just just having that like um uh, proximity to 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 the instance of that song uh, that's like a special moment to me it's almost like a religious moment it's like wow i feel at one with the with the artwork you know yeah, no, absolutely. I, um, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where, like, I, I, I agree 100% with you there, where I think sometimes when I'm at a show, I almost, like, picture some of my peers that I, I know from work or wherever, or just other people out there that are into, like, you know, more mainstream things that are, Perhaps they go to see whoever, whatever big star in an arena. And it's like, that's, that's, I mean, it's weird because they can relate to that, but that's so foreign to me. And I don't mean it's an elitist way. I'm saying it just like, I was, you know, I was thinking in like at a house show in January, I went to, it was like a hardcore show. And uh, 
and it was just in a basement about you know the house in boston is there's, there's a lot of basements and stuff they have a lot of basement shows and there was a you know a house show it was a just all you know like you said on the floor that's how it usually is with the houses and stuff like that and um just the 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 vibe of the room and the fact that you know you have these people who are just really inches away from you playing all these fast um just you know really wild energetic songs and you're merely inches away and the crowd's moshing and it's all part of the entire experience you're in this really small room that can probably only hold like 20 people and um everything is just all about that that moment you know Exactly, man. What the way you described it is like the way the, the reason why you know it's 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 one of the reasons why I love life because I can experience something like that. You know, there's so many things that are happening at the same time. You know, and it's a little risky too because I mean people are moshing. You know, so like sure, yeah, there's a, there's, a, there's an element of danger. You know, and and you really feel alive. And if you know the song, you have all these memories of when you used to listen to the song when you're at home when you're at your boring job or when you're driving yeah. or whatever you know and, and and just being there it makes you feel like you're in a completely different world you know like you entered a new sphere of existence you know and uh and 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 that's that's amazing and and that's why i i still go to shows i haven't gotten sick of it yet you know uh um and uh and that's why i go to goner and that's one of the reasons how we met right yeah, no, absolutely. I, I get, and like I said, just going off the point of what I I was saying, it was just like, you exactly, you get, you got it. I mean, obviously where it's like, you know, and then you know, like imagine the, everything we were just, we're just saying, but now imagine we're talking about, you know, you're in like the 30th row at the Dunkin' Donuts Center, you know, clutching for the uh, binoculars to see that band. It's like it's not the same. Even if you're in the front row, it's still it's like whatever. It's and you're so disconnected from all the other stuff, all these other people around you. That's a that's an experience, but um, it's not the same thing. It's not the same uh, thing, you know. What I mean, and and like it's kind of funny, and that's why I love about Goner is that it's an international music festival, but yet it's still relatively small. Yes, you know. And like you said, we we're able to meet, and that's probably the best thing about Connor Fest. You're able to meet people from all over the globe and find out their story, you know, and uh, and discover their music scene and everything else. And um, you know, we're, we're all coming together for this festival and for you know, yeah, I mean, some other fucking kick ass moment that you know, every you know, I mean, this that's that's you know, all right, well, let's put it this way. I think we talked about enough. Let's let's start to really get into. Let's talk. Let's talk Goner. <laughs> I'm putting it out there. Um, I want to talk about um, um uh, Gritty's connection to Goner and to No Bunny. Ooh, there you go, Gritty. Is Gritty still here? <laughs> Hello. Hello, Gritty. Yo, Gritty. Yo, Gritty. Is Gritty still with us? 
Okay, maybe he's not there, but um, um, uh, I can talk about um, um, uh, something else. Well, something sure, yeah. uh, a little bit related. Um, uh, is there a better thing than going to some new city and getting to see an underground show there? Dude, oh my God. No, absolutely. That, that really is like one of my favorite things. Um, obviously Memphis, but we went to Madison, Wisconsin a few years ago. Gritty was the host of Turkey Fest, Bobby Hussey's Turkey Fest. Um, you know, and, and with Goner, I love Goner. Goner really is more of a, you know, an international underground music festival where you're having all these bands from all over the all over the globe and stuff and you're getting you know you definitely get a sense of the memphis city and music scene but you also are getting like a lot from all over the globe so it's not quite like just experiencing a local memphis show whereas turkey fest there were definitely bands from other cities um that played but for the most part it was more of like a low it was pretty like small it was much smaller there's only it was three nights but there was only like five four or five bands each night but you were essentially getting really like you were seeing locals festival. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like besides, I mean, Gritty was the ho was the, was the MC. So I, I mean, besides, I think I was the only person that wasn't performing one way or another that was from out of town. I mean, maybe there were some other people that were like in nearby cities, but it was, I mean, and the shows all did well and they were like packed and, and everything sold out, but it was like people from Madison for the most part. So it was, you were really getting the sense of like, this is the Madison scene. This is the local scene. And man, I, I fucking, I love that. You know what I mean? And you, just, and you meet new people and you get a sense of, okay, this is how it is in this community, yeah. you know? And, you know, I'd love to do that in Montreal someday. I'd love to do that in so many, I, I just, that actually would be like one of is a fantasy of mine and something, I mean, we both, already started to do you know obviously to an to a certain extent but that's definitely a fantasy of mine is just to travel and know the music scene in as many cities as possible yep yep towns, even if it's like a small town or something you know it'd be it could be there could be a cool scene in some like small town that's outside of the main city you know what i mean yeah yeah you know uh i mean Right now, it's maybe it's not the best time for that. Right now, yeah, but yeah. I, yeah, exactly. I, I, do, yeah. I don't, I don't think there would be a world where that would not be possible. Yeah. You know, it, like it has to be a human right to be able to do a DIY show. Yeah. You know? because, because it's just so, so, so like uh, vital to like uh, my existence. You know, other people's existence. You know, absolutely. And I'm happy you mentioned uh, uh, Bobby Hussey. You know. Uh, uh, I know about Turkey Fest and I know that Gritty hosted one year and uh, I seen I see him at, at Goner Fest like ever since I've been going I, I've seen him you know either either playing or in the crowd you know and uh, uh, he came to Canada like two years ago a year and a half ago and I had to go see him and uh, he was uh, putting out a record on his record label from a Canadian band and it was just so interesting to see him like in Canada, you yeah, know, after yeah. seeing him in in in, um, in Memphis, and then hearing about Turkey Fest, and just uh, uh, that's one of those moments that I was talking about earlier, where like uh, scenes are blended, you know, people travel, they bring with them a history, you know, and I was there to experience that, and it was amazing, you know. Shout out to Bobby. Hell, oh yeah, man, yeah, nah, 
I, I remember you telling me that, right? Um, what was it? Yeah, the, the Hussy was playing, or was it Fireheads or one of his bands? No, it was, was uh, it was Red Mass. Oh, oh, okay. So, so he was put right because he was putting out the Red Mass yes. record. Correct. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Was it but, what bands playing the show? Or was he just uh, there because he was putting? He out was the just record? there because he was putting out the record and i think uh, when i spoke to him he told me that he just wanted to take a little vacation and move around and uh uh, but uh after that actually last year pretty much last year he came here with the hussy right right right. and uh i hung out with heather and i hung out with tyler and uh it was it was just great you know seeing those guys that i usually see only in the states it was great to see them in montreal you know we were like all hanging out outside the bar and uh, uh, the show was amazing and the turnout was great, you know? So uh, it's good to see that this thing is not just like specific pockets, you know, that there's a circuit around North America where this can happen. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I I remember. um, Yeah, definitely. The the whole band, they're, they're all awesome. um, Awesome people. And uh, I remember them saying too, that that Montreal show was, was amazing. And uh, it was like a big, like yeah, it was like a really great turnout. Um, yeah, man. I'm saying like I'm no idea where the hell <laughs> we lost Gritty. I have no idea where he is. Um, it's still recording for us. We're still recording here. Um, I don't know like how like where the hell he went as far as like a master recording. Uh, I'm not really sure, but. We can still keep going. I just hope all of this gets did. I don't know how that works with the recording shit, but man, um, yeah. Let's. I mean, let's. We'll keep. We'll keep rocking. Great. Uh, yeah, man. I'll save some points in case we get gritty back. I'm trying to get him back. I don't know what happened to him. Could be a technical malfunction. Uh, anyway. Um. So yeah, have you been? Getting any, buying any records, ordering any records? Um, I'm looking at a record right now. Well, um, one of my favorite records from last year uh, that I still listen to is uh, from the uh, Protruders. Oh shit! And I don't, I don't know if you heard them. You know, um, I'm not sure actually. You know, I mean, the name. There's so many names that sound familiar, but like, yeah, I honestly can't say whether or not. So, I know, and there's stuff I hear, and I forget that I heard it, and I hear it, and I'm like, oh, shit, I know this. I just don't remember the name. But. So it's on, uh, it's on a record label that's uh, – uh, let me see what the name of the record label is. Um, do you know this record label, Feel It Records? Yes. Yes, I do. Um, I've only – I'm not too familiar with them per se, but they put out this record last year. Yes. Yeah, I really love that record. They actually, the Cowboys just put out an album this year. Um, I only heard like one or two songs, but it's really different from what they had put, put up for. Yeah, I'm looking at their page right now, and they put out a lot of stuff. They put over from us, Australia. Yeah, they put out. They do put out a lot of records. Um, I can't say I don't know Power, but I did when I saw that. We did a show with the Cowboys last year. And I remember that was around when that album came out. And I remember looking at the Feel It page, and yeah, they put out all. Oh that. my God! How was that show with the Cowboys? Because they're awesome. amazing. It's awesome. Yeah, um, nice guys in Boston Green played, like you know, nice guys in Boston Green. Yes. 
it's another Boston band that's awesome that actually also on the kids like you and me label. Um, yeah, it was a great show. It was like a Wednesday night. It was at Deep Thoughts, the record store um, in yes. Jamaica Lane. Shout out to Deep Thoughts. They, uh, yeah, I mean, it was a it was a good turnout. It was a lot of fun. I think they were even like weren't sure like what to make of it, but they were like, "Wow, this is cool. This is a fun place," and like a decent amount of people out on a Wednesday night. Yes. Um. Yeah. So. So I've been. Yeah, they're they're. Yeah. So, I, so I've been listening to uh, Protruders and th their album came out on Feel It Records and it's yeah. called Poison Future. And it's and it's just so good. Like it's it's kind of like a punk psychedelic kind of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, you get a you get a little bit of proto punk electric eels kind of vibes, you know, I love electric um, eels, the, the, the vocal the guy singing uh he's so good you know he's saying like these funny ironic jokes you know kind of like making fun of punk make fun of like uh a nihilist you know kind of like just like a a, a fun look at the end of the world in a way wow i like that and, that does uh, sound very much like electric yes yeah. <laughs> yes exactly so uh protruders is really good uh, I've been listening to a Clear Channel, and they're a band from DC. Okay, and uh, and that and that's a little bit. It's still punk, but it's more of like in in a, in an ESG type of thing, like more like a post punk thing, you know, like um, uh, uh, really baseline grooves, you know, and like uh, uh, funny vocals. So Clear Channel, um, uh, some of the band members from Clear Channel are in uh, Gauche. Ghost is kind of like a, a post-punk band on Merge Records. Mm, I did. And, uh, I think I saw them actually. They come from like the DC scene. Uh, priests. Uh, they used to be. Uh, they used. They had one record on the uh, record label from the guy from Priest called Sister Polygon Records. So uh, Ghost used to have a record on there. Members from Ghost started this band, Clear Channel, and. Uh, uh, it's a great record. It has like 10 songs and it's basically just like these baseline grooves with these really funny, repetitive kind of vocals. You know, it kind of has like a, a, a California early punk kind of vibe, like uh, the urinals. Oh, fuck yeah, man. I do. I love the urinals. You know? I got um, their comp or not. It's like uh, all their records or whatever that they it's from in the red release did a few years ago or something. It's like all their seven all their like eps and everything yes and those guys are still amazing because they still tour they do i saw them um a couple of years ago the urinals good great band um yeah i just saw this documentary recently called you weren't there and it's about the chicago music scene from 1977 to 1984 um it was pretty cool you know what i mean and it's like one of those things where it's like i'm sure if i was there i might have more of an opinion on it you know but you know you kind of take it for what it is there's obviously probably some politics and stuff behind the scenes but if anything else there's a nice little insight into a small scene exactly and um you know and also a bunch of like maybe some exposure to a bunch of bands i'd never heard before you know um like steve albini's in a lot of the documentary is being interviewed but um the they only talk about big black a little bit at the end but most of it's like bands that at least i mean i, I don't know who they are and even when i look them up they only have like a little bit of you know i mean there's like naked ray gun who's one of the bigger ones in there but but most part it's a lot of um 
a lot of bands that are pretty obscure. Um, so it was, it was cool. It was, yeah, know, definitely. Yeah. You know, and they, you, you kind of like talked about this earlier, I think with the fashion kind of stuff that they talked about, um, you know, when the punk kind of scene was starting everything and they, they were having like these really wild dance nights um, at this like gay club or gay bar and, in like the 77 or something they were playing like you know remote sex pistols and all these other songs mm -hmm. like dj nights and they would you know parties would go to like 7 a.m or something and then they kind of morphed into like you know bands started out of that scene and they kind of morphed into started having shows and stuff like that you know and eventually hardcore kind of came around and it started to be more like here's the punk look and here's the punk attitude and everything and um <clears throat> that you know, when they were saying earlier, when they kind of, you know, it wasn't necessarily that you had to look a certain way or be that. It was just, you know, how you, what you were doing, what you were doing artistically and everything. Yeah. And what your views were, not necessarily how your, what your haircut was or whatever, you know. Um, so it was kind of interesting that, that that's a lot of ways what became the image and what they kind of morphed into some respects. And then, of course, that became what was marketed yeah. as punk. Yes. And, you know, I think sometimes it happens, um, it kind of happens like the intention is not to make that happen, but it just, it just happens because of what people do. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, for instance, like the, I've never seen those documentaries, but Western of the oh, yeah, decline, decline of Western civilization. Yeah. You know, I've never seen them, but I'm pretty sure that they're responsible for a lot of people getting punk, you know, or like being exposed to hardcore, mm -hmm. you know. And and it, it sort of colors their view of what punk is. You well, know? I will say that actually I love those documentaries, but I was already kind of into a lot of punk stuff before I saw them. But the they're worth checking out because they were, at the time they were focusing. They weren't like retrospectives, so I will give them that. Thing is that they weren't. Yeah, I mean they were a little bit more like narrow. It I think thing is they were going to go for more of like whatever band was a little bit more animated perhaps so like um like a friend of mine who's from that era was saying who his favorite band was the urinals and he was like you know they're from la and he loved the decline movie or at least he, he liked it though he did his like like retrospective things but he was saying he really liked how that was captured with those bands at the moment because mm -hmm. it was shot at the time so um in la and he was saying, like, you know, like a band like Urinals, they probably didn't really have as much of like imagery as opposed to like uh, the Germs or Fear or Black Flag or whatever, you know, X Circle Jerks. Those are the bands that were in the movie that, um, you know, perhaps had more, more, more of an image or notoriety or whatever to them that they could, you know, work better for a documentary. I'm sure there's all sorts of politics that, you know obviously tons of bands that must have been left out that could have been there. But I, I will say though, is the, those are some really great bands and it's really nice to capture them in that scene. We, some kids from that scene at that time, it, it, it's worth, it's worth checking out. You know what I mean? It's definitely like at the very least worth checking out. That's the first one though. Wow. I, 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 I see what you're saying. And uh, it, it's funny to bring that up because uh, we're music lovers. I mean, I have radio, yeah. I do radio. We, me and you, we go to shows together and uh, uh, it, it, 
it's not false that uh, there's a visual element to the music, yeah. you know, and and sometimes some bands really play that play into into that yeah. into the visual element. Other bands don't. Right. Right. Yeah. Because uh, I mean, oh, sorry. Go on. And in the long run, you're right. It could have it could affect their fame. You know, the way they're remembered. You know. Yeah, I mean, so you take like the thing is like you take like a band like the Germs. See, I love they're they're a great band. So. I, I do love them and everything, but it goes, it was something beyond the music where it was like, you know, it's like the smashes, if the guy smashes a bottle over his head, he might be more exciting or a more exciting subject matter to some people than, I mean, I don't know. I don't think the urinals for just one example. I mean, I don't think the urinals ever did that, you know, whatever necessarily, but I mean, or black flag with the cops showing up at their shows and stuff like that or you know them living in a church or whatever you know if you're trying to frame a documentary in a certain way which it's like it's called the decline of western civilization which i think is from a stooges review or something i forget where the, the you know it, whatever you're trying to frame it as there might be certain bands that, that lean themselves more than that to, you know than than other bands you know uh the second part though was where you know, I think it's really interesting as as a, as a documentary. It's about the it's called the metal years, and it focuses on some big metal stars, but then it shows some of the other people who are just smaller bands and fans and whatever else want to be part of that scene and like want to be like hair metal. It's like during the whole hair metal stuff, and it's it's just kind of like cringy, but I think it's cool as a documentary. And then the third part focuses in the '90s, and it focuses on um, uh, it's it's a, it's a lot sadder. It focuses on homeless kids and uh, homeless punks and stuff like that in LA. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. So they didn't like just like one jar. It was not, more yeah, not like... really. Yeah, I mean, not not quite. Uh, the the first one, best one, or at least for me, like you know, because it like. I, I love the music and I think it captures like at least a moment, you know, one way or another, you know, it's definitely tailored in a certain way. But, um, and the second one is totally, the second one actually I will say is very interesting from like a point of just seeing just how like even being like just grossed out and cringy, like all these like metal stuff that all these people kind of chasing him and all this, all this stuff that's the opposite of your values. And um, I think the documentary shows that really well. Third one though, it's less about music. Um, but there are punk bands in there that I don't really I don't really follow or know very well, but they're from like nineties LA, kind of like hardcore bands or punk bands. Um, but it, it, the the focus is really on them being like homeless and being alcoholics and having and they you know, coming from a, a broken homes and all this stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean yeah, I mean um uh, there's always going to be elements like that in, in music, you know, and especially like a, a form of expression that's just like from people that hang out in the streets, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what happened to Mr. Gritty because um, there was there's some other stuff I want to talk with you about. We still can. Okay. And um, well, the only problem is to say I, I'm recording for us. Yeah, I, I know. know. Like you, you don't you don't edit it that much. You just make sure, like you know what I mean. You just oh yeah yeah. Well, I, my only point is I don't know how I 
how I like put this together with whatever like gritty recording. I hope they say I'm a bit of a Luddite, not by choice, I suppose, or a little bit by choice, but I don't know um, the Zoom, how, how Zoom works exactly. So, uh, but can I ask you some like uh, maybe like Boston specific questions? Uh, yeah, hell yeah, go, go right ahead. Yeah, so I mean, uh, you guys have played the Dorchester Art Center, right? Dorchester Art Project. Yep. Art Project, yeah. Is that like a, a, a long-running venue? No, not quite. So I don't know a ton about the history, but they just started making it as a show place around 2018, I want to say. Um, before that, it was called the Howard Art Project. So it was like an art. Um, it's been an art space and still is to this day. Of course, that's what the, the name's there. Um, it's been an art space for a while. Um, yeah, man, like someday I would love for you to come by and, and come to a show there. It is a really amazing space. Um, and uh, they do just a lot of great work there. Um, and you, it is, uh, what's up? You've played. You've played. The- yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We, we've. We've done a few, quite a few shows there. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a really amazing venue. It's, uh, but it was originally called the Howard Art Project, and I'm not sure when that started, but it was a art, just art space. They weren't doing shows or anything, and it was like that for years. And then um, some people around Boston that were putting on shows, I think, uh, to do it, the, the Brain Arts Organization, which is a nonprofit in Boston. They do a lot of great work, and also Boston had all the time. Um, they uh, they bought this or not bought, rather. I mean, they they rent the space, but rather they they, um, you know, they, you know, kind of like saw that as an opportunity, and they they they, you know, were like, okay, we can do here, and they have since then, and you know, it still remains an art space. They just also do shows mm-hmm. there. I mean, obviously not, not in the last few months, but, uh, before that, um, and, uh, there's been a little bit of a separation with, um, brain arts where the Boston hassle now is a completely different entity independent from brain arts. Um, Mm -hmm. they were once together. Um, it's a big long story there, but, but rather, but they're just both two separate entities Mm now. Um, so now it's just brain arts that, uh, is Rochester Art Project, but um, great space. They, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, we love doing it. It's it's a it's a smaller space, which is perfect for us. Probably fits around like 40, 50 people, yeah. maybe more. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, it, they have, and then you can walk around the the building, and there's all these all these people's art stuff. They even had like a, when I was there. Um, the last time they had like a weird store thing, they had some classic like hip hop and punk albums and everything. I saw like Grandmaster Flash and there right. a lot of Ramones. Um, um, yeah, and then all these people's art stuff, you know. And um, they also even had multiple shows at the same time in different rooms um, and all different kind of genres too. Yeah, but um, uh, you know, I've I've. I've gone down to Boston twice yet, you know, I'm a, and I, I've, uh, I've seen some local bands play. And uh, 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 it seems to me that uh, there's no shortage of uh, DIY spaces. Would you say that's true? No, no. Uh, I'd say, we say there's no, you mean 
No, I'd say there we oh, need way more. You need more. Yeah, oh, you think yeah, you yeah, yeah. too few? Yeah, 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 totally. Um, well, it's weird. I think that's the thing with Boston is that we like. Um, well, I mean, even with all, all the uh, with all this stuff with the pandemic, I think you kind of you know you don't. I've, and I've said this before. People kind of take for granted what they have, but but at the same time, it's like you always want and need more and demand more for a healthy, lively art music scene you know so um i think no i actually think that we we need way more spaces you know they they do exist but let's put it this way we have a lot of house shows in boston i mean there's not as many as there used to be so like literally people just playing in their houses where it's the basements or living rooms and everything just diy shows and it's fantastic it's awesome it's, it's like the coolest thing in the world it really is but 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 it's like why are those things happening you know i think a lot of people don't especially when you're getting into this stuff or you're not like really familiar with this kind of stuff, this culture, I think people just think of it as like a house party. That's what I kind of thought a little bit or when I first like heard about these kind of stuff, I didn't really fully see the big picture in a way there's a party vibe and that's cool. But what it really is, is a reaction to not being accessible spaces for, for these kind of shows, you know, and for art in Boston and any city it's really that's why it's driven underground so there's not enough there's not enough accessible venues art galleries clubs whatever it is to support music in boston so people have to really like um you know book shows that they're in their own houses and stuff like that in their basements and um you know it, it, a lot of it has to do with you know just money it's like it costs x amount of dollars to rent a room you know, and you have a band playing that's on tour, you know, it's like they probably stand a better chance if someone's just collecting money out of a hat at a door in a house versus, you know, at a venue. Not necessarily, not necessarily, but they might, you know. Um, there's a lot of factors, though, but I think it's more a reaction to their lack of sustainable, accessible venues. Right. Um, a lot of places at bars where it's 21 plus, so that alienates a lot of crowd. I mean, think about and you know, and we do shows at, at 21 plus. I'm not saying I'm not above that by any means. I mean, I think that I'd rather those venues be put to good, um, especially if it's a local show where it's like I still feel bad, and I totally get people that do all, all ages shows, but at the same time, it's like I'd rather this bar be a place where there could be cool shows happening than it just be another yuppie bar, you know. Um, or at the very least, you can kind of like maybe try to get it to be 18 plus or all ages, or maybe get something where it's like, you know, work out a deal with the, the bar. There's that as a potential, um, especially with, I guess, with local shows where you could see a local band on, you know, it's, a, it's at a bar 21 plus show this night, but next week they're playing the show that's all ages, you know, um, it's not perfect. It's not ideal at all. I think ideally they'd all be all ages shows. Um, I mean, yeah, it, it's, uh, so that, I mean, that's one, one of the reasons, you know, I mean, you get like, I mean, a lot of kids are here for college. A lot of kids don't turn 21 until they're junior or college. Um, what's the drinking age is Canada's, oh yeah, it's 18, right? Yeah. I was going to say that because, uh, in, in Canada, like the age is yeah, 18, you know, and, and, uh, you and, and, you know, and it, it might still be, we might still be in, in there, there might still be pockets where like they might not card you, you know, mm -hmm. but um, uh, the scene in general, um, 
you have a lot of students that are 18 and that come to these uh, uh, DIY shows, you know? Exactly. Uh, uh, age, all ages is not really a, a big issue here, you know? Right. Well, and that's the other thing is like, it is kind of like a chicken and egg thing because I've thrown plenty of all ages shows and I'm like, fuck man, everyone's over 30 here anyway. And it's like, I'm paying extra hundred bucks, literally like at times, like there are certain venues that are like, um, sure, we can make the show all ages, but it's going to cost an extra $100 or something. And it's like, what the fuck? All right, fine. You know, whatever. And then you do that, and then everyone's there that's like over 30 or something. You're like, what the fuck, man? But it's a chicken and egg thing because you're like, okay, so if, I throw, if, uh, if we don't throw enough of these all ages shows, how are you going to get kids to come out? You know what I mean? But it is a job. But then at the same time where it's like, okay, I have my friend's band that's on tour. They're playing on a Monday night. I want to give them the best possible show. And it's like, let's see. I mean, most house shows, they're going to, they, if they'll even like, if someone wants you to play that at their house, if you convince them on a Monday night, I mean, you can convince them, but there's a good chance it might get, I mean, it might get broken up by the cops. You know what I mean? Um, or it's like, I could have it, or you could do it at this, um, all ages space, space, but it costs 250 bucks rent room, which isn't a lot, but let's put it this way. You still get to come out on a Monday night and, um, you know, whatever you charge at the door, that's still that 250 going to go right to the venue before you pay the band. Or you could have it at a, a, a space that's 21 plus, but it's a, a Monday night free shows and, um, you know, free for the people, and they also have a donation thing at the door, and the bands get paid from percentage of the bar money. It's like, oh, it's a free show, and a ton of people come out to this 21 plus show on a Monday night, and they also throw down and donate. And lo and behold, here you go, you have 300 bucks, you know, plus whatever they sell, making merches, any other donations go for for this band on for my buddy's band on tour. You know? That's amazing. It's a judgment. It's a judgment call, yes. you know what I mean? But that's the legit of it, you know? And there's some people who are like, fuck no, adamantly, I'm going to do all ages all the time. And I respect that 100%. I don't necessarily feel that way. Because um, I've done that. We've done those shows before. We've done both. We've done, you know, we've done the all, you know what I mean? And it, it really kind of boils down to a judgment call. Uh, ideally, to me, all ages. But sometimes for me, it's like also, I also want to give someone the best possible show. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And I and I agree. I mean, when the when the legal age is 21, then th that's really an important window between 18 and 21, you know, so uh, uh, if, if there's potential for people under 21 to come, you would like them yeah. to come, you know, they're like, they're people that are getting into the scene for the first time, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and that's the thing. And, and, and like, you know, and it really is like, but like, like I said, what a lot of times people don't, they don't factor that the fact that like, okay, let's say though, if no one does any shows at these bars, like a can't tap lounge or club Bohemia, well then Mickey goes out and that's an element of the scene and all these, you know I mean? That's the, cause then they have no turnouts and they don't want them. And that just becomes, well, that becomes the yuppie night thing, you know, that, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? So it's like, it's unfortunate that alcohol in a way and, dictates so much of these things but it does it's part of the uh you know i mean it, it it's part of that that 
that culture that, you know, and, and it's not just Boston, it's a lot of cities where they had that. Um, but I think, uh, like I said, so this is also places for places uh, for people to flourish, you know, for scenes to flourish that um, it has to be admitted. It has, to be, I think there definitely needs to be a push more for all ages shows um, as much as possible. But I do think that there's some value in um, some of these places that are 21 plus. It's just, it's unfortunate that they are. Um, and, it, you know, a lot of it is too, even like if you actually, even the venues, they would love to have kids under 21. It's not so much even that they don't want people under 21. It's liabilities. It's, you know, it's all sorts of stuff. That, yeah. You know, and it comes down to money. It comes down to a lot of the money. The, the bigger the venue, they're like, they're able to, okay, we, we have so many people that want to see waves or whoever you know, you know what i mean that you know so we'll make this show even though some of those shows are 18 plus though or whatever but that you know obviously when you go see like fucking green day it's all ages you know what i mean right you know what i mean the bigger the show because it does come down to a money thing but you know some of these places it's like your neighborhood bar you know your neighborhood bar that burger place that also shows shows some of them don't have it's a liability for them to have kids drinking, you know, potential for kids drinking. And that's a lot of times it spurs these things is someone is underage and gets fucked up and has to get hospitalized. And the, and the someone comes in and wants to shut down the place and, and it just, it, they're like, all right, fuck it. We're going to make one plus, you know what I mean? Yep. And it's, and, and a lot of it is cause it, it's a bar, you know I mean? It's a bar and it, um, you know, there's different ways to potentially mitigate that. But the biggest thing is just creating alternative spaces. And uh, I support that as much as possible. And um, and I totally get, and if someone criticizes me, be like, hey, you do 21 plus shows, I'd be like, you're right. You're absolutely right. At the same time, like I said, I think that, you know, all right, if, if you want to have all those bars turn into yuppie bars, fine that's what you want but i think we can the at best in an ideal world every great show is just we don't really live in that world i mean so like for example i don't know how what like grumpies if they did any shows for example but if they had grumpies if they were going to do shows at some point i don't know how they would but they you know obviously the drinking age is 18 there i don't know how it would be in Montreal in that culture but the you know, U.S. equivalent, at least, would it would probably be tough to get that kind of place to be all ages, you know? Yeah, here uh, it's very strict. If you're selling alcohol, basically you can't have anyone under eighteen. Yeah, and so that that's there are places in Boston, at least, and I'm sure there's other cities that are all ages that also serve alcohol. There's a few of them. Um, the Cambridge Elks Lodge is one. It's a BFW, so they're I mean, they have a bar, they have a liquor license. Uh, the Willie Pads, one of them, um, you know. And then uh, it might be one or two others or something, but for the most part, it's like 21 plus or it's a bigger venue or it's a DIY space, you know, which is, uh, you know, <laughs> either and a lot of times they dry, you know, there's places like the democracy center, democracy center in Boston, that's a dry space. If it shows a church basement, it's usually a dry space. Um, you know, in art galleries, that's kind of a mixed bag. Um, and then it's like if it's a house show or under truly underground show, you know, it's, you're not a regular venue, so you can kind of you have free reign. But uh, it's really more judgment call how people yeah. um, operate. But but you know that that but that so that's kind of the roundabout of like the various things of like so 
you know, age limit, um, the costs, you know, all these things. But I would never say that it's like, even though we have a lot of these venues in many ways, um, there's so many elements that, that make it far from perfect. There's really no, at this point, Austin, um, even pre-COVID, there's no like ideal spot. There's a lot of cool spots, but there's no idea once you start to like pull back. Um, that's regularly pumping out those, you know, that, you know, I mean, there's no um, ideal spot. There's a lot of cool different spots, but there's no ideal venues. I think we really need venues that are accessible for everyone. And, um, you know, I mean, and, and just can can do well in it for all, for all, all everyone all around. Know, and and really and really keep the scene going um let me ask you something because uh i you guys had a show planned uh i think in april yes that yes. Uh, that, that had to be canceled yes and uh of course uh you you also do you, every year you do the ramalama yeah that was the room yeah yeah and uh, uh did you did you had the show planned and then you had to to, to cancel and how did that come about yeah, I mean, so we had a whole festival, like you said, the Ramalama, um, that was the Ramalama Ding Dong, that was booked in April, <clears throat> and, uh, you know, just like every other show, you know, during this, uh, we had to cancel it, yeah, um, so that that's pretty much it, yeah, I mean, the, the venue canceled it, we had to cancel, it didn't matter, it wasn't going to happen, um, and, you know, with everyone's safety in mind, we weren't going to do it really anyway. Um, you know, so it's yeah, and you had a, a legendary Boston band, yeah, yeah. Play, play. Oh, yeah, unnatural acts playing, and yeah, I mean, so that yeah, I mean, we'll do it again sometime. And uh, we were thinking about we might do something virtual, um, and whenever it's safe to do so, I mean, we'll do something that's outside. I mean, I really don't know what the future of the venues are because I don't know what this, what's going to happen with this virus, so. Um, I think just the biggest things are to press, you know, to promote and donate to organizations that can, um, or anything that we can bail out that can be, the venues can be bailed out or something. But I mean, no matter what though, there's always going to be DIY spaces. There's always going to be those underground spaces. We were already were in that predicament before. Um, and at the very least, those can always be spaces to build up a scene and hopefully then, you know, just continue to blossom and convert other places into venues, you know, and, and if, if there's a scene, then you can get bars and restaurants interested in other spaces and, you know, just continue. That's the hope. And that, but yeah, I mean, that, that it's like, that's never stopped anyone for you. You know, you can play in the streets, you can play in basements, you can play whatever parks. It just, it's just, you know, you can't stop that. So that's, that's, that's something that keeps me optimistic. Yeah. Um, but as far as like the venues themselves, um, you know, I don't know. I'd, I'd like for people to talk more about that. I really, you know, cause I do think that there needs to be more communication about that. But, cause we still, I think we're still, we still have a lot to be seen with what's happened with this, with this virus and how it affects thing you know as far as the economy and yeah you. you know it's weird because uh uh i was just out today um uh, after work i i went out for a bike ride and and uh 
and uh, I saw people in the streets, you know, and I saw some businesses open. I saw um, uh, uh, ice cream places open oh, yeah. and I saw people so- social distancing, you know, it, everything's going at a slower pace, yeah. you know, but people are outside and they are interacting, you know. So, uh, uh, I mean, venues just have to follow suit, you know, like it's, it's yeah. going to happen, you know, maybe not tomorrow, but it has venues. to happen in the coming weeks. If everything else is opening, you know, yeah. venues, venues have to open, you Hello? know. Hey guys, what I miss? Hello? Oh shit. Well, we've been talking, I mean, so I hope that uh, Zoom works, but we've been, we've been pretty deep, so I don't know. Um, oh, that's good. So you don't need to recap oh, this. I don't, I don't, hope you no, keep yeah. going. What, what were you? Well, you can always rewind. I will, I'll always, definitely rewind. Thank keep God. Going. But we were just talking about venues with um, dealing with COVID. Oh, yeah. You okay? Yeah. Right, cool. I, was, I, was, I was just saying how much I'm... I, I miss being at a, at a at an underground show, you know, and uh, and I mean, I, I go to shows often here in Montreal and uh, there's always like somebody new and there's always people you don't know. And I love I mean, uh, not everyone is like that, but I love to go up to people and just say hi, you know, absolutely. And I miss that. I miss. Yeah, I miss going to 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 a venue to see a band that i like and just um uh, seeing the different types of characters you know like it's intriguing and uh and uh i need that uh that uh that those situations to happen again yeah is it a different slew of characters than you get yeah. at gonerfest i mean it's it's just yeah it's hard to say yeah it's it's kind of the same thing you know um uh uh, somebody's friend that visit that's visiting for the weekend, you know, or just like uh, uh, people from another city that are checking out the scene. Uh, mm-hmm. One time, I met a guy from uh, Belgium, and uh, and he's kind of like a, a, an older an older gentleman, and uh, I got him into Gashrat and the submissives, and uh, and uh, he got me into like uh, European post punk stuff from like the eighties because that was his era, you know, and he was just visiting the, in the city. And uh, and it just it just made me feel like the same thing that I was talking about before is that there's there is something there is a kind of energy that's out there and that's been been that's been roaming the earth for like a long time and these DIY shows they try to they try to conjure that and mm-hmm. and people from all over the globe are attracted to that and that's how we each other. Yeah, it's it's really special. Yeah, man. Yes. Um, yeah, Glenn, we were talking. <clears throat> yeah, we missed, uh, <laughs> we missed the human interaction at shows. We missed um, shows in general. We were talking a little bit about the Boston music scene, um, you know, some of the venues and stuff like that. Um, but Hugo, I'm kind of curious about some of the Montreal venues. Um, I've never seen a show in Montreal, so. Um, can you tell us a little bit about like some of the be- better venues in uh, Montreal? Some of the things, yes. That, uh, you know, some of the scenes, some of the like kind of like uh, some of the underground spots, yes, more established venues, just um, different, you know, different things like that. Yeah, 
So uh, in Montreal, uh, the venues are located in the two, two, three neighborhoods, uh, Plateau and Myland, and a little bit of Little Italy. And, uh, and uh, those are neighborhoods that are right next to each other. And um, um, uh, a, f- a few people have been own bars there. And uh, uh, they've, over the years, like over the years, they've they've been able to build like a network of bars and of venues and uh, deep down they're they're business people but they're business people that understand the montreal culture and they're people that understand the uh, the artistic history of montreal and uh, uh they really want to promote uh uh music they're not just in it for like to make a buck you know and uh, and and there's a network of venues when you come here where where you're going to see like a, an experimental band, like a noise band play, or you're going to see like a free jazz band and you're going to see like some new punk band and like indie pop, you know, um, uh, uh, that spirit is, is, is very alive in the city. And, uh, and to the mix, you have the punk houses and the DIY venues. And those also have a history because uh, they, they stay in the same location, but the people that run them change. Right, right, right. They kind of get passed down different mm. generation or something. At least it happens like that a little bit here. Exactly. And, uh, and Montreal is a very diverse city. And a lot of the people that are part of the scene in Montreal, they didn't grow up in Montreal. They're people of their uh, provinces of Canada, uh, let's say New Brunswick or Ontario or Saskatchewan or Calgary or British Columbia. And they're just attracted to Montreal because they hear a lot of great things, you know, and it's one of the last cities in Canada that is still affordable to live, even though that's probably ending soon, you know, but uh, um, all, all, all that energy uh, attracts people here and uh, uh, all these venues, these punk houses, uh, it just creates this continuous flow of like music discovery, you know? Mm -hmm. Is there a, uh, I've been following the scene pretty closely. Yeah. Sorry. I was gonna say, is there? I don't know if you touched on this, but yeah. Was just, let me just end the uh, my sure. sentence. No, go on. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Say that just follow the scene for seven years. I've seen a lot of change, you know, and it's people that change, uh, uh, d- d- different people that shows. D- those people have connections across the U.S. So a lot of bands that I would never expect to come here, they end up coming, you know. Yeah, that's really cool. Is there this? Chris may have mentioned this when you talked about Boston, but yeah, we're. Is, we're, we're, we're yeah, I was gonna say, oh, yeah. So, what yeah you is there a a show rag or a newspaper? There, there was the physical in Boston. We had the the Boston Compass, which back in when it first started, it really was a great guide to all the different DIY venues and basements, and it was a compass literally showing you the underground. Is there anything like that that exists either online or in the uh, physical form, Hugo? You know what? You know what? Uh, there's nothing in the physical form. There might be a few, a few like free cultural newspaper that might have mention of like a, a, a DIY show. But I mean, the way to find out today is really the internet. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you go on on, on on the social media platforms. You uh, uh, you can find out. Or the other way is really to go into one of the the bars of 
the neighborhoods I mentioned and really ask someone. People are very friendly and they'll let you know, you know, and like I told you, the, the people that are here and that run, that run those venues are genuine music lovers. So uh, uh, there's no hoarding of information. Everyone is like very open. Nice. So yeah. Grumpies, they represent, yeah, grumpies. they know, they know the deal. Yeah, gr- Grumpies is, 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 is a different beast. You know, Grumpies is kind of yeah. like a, a dive bar downtown, a long history. Yeah. Uh, famous, famous writers, Leonard Cohen, um, uh, 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 other writers used to hang out there, you know. So, I mean, it, it, they, they have, uh, they have uh, uh, um, uh, live shows. Yeah. And, uh, 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 but it's not really like uh, plugged in into like the garage scene or anything. It's right. more like, uh, like, you know, just like a dive bar kind of thing. It, it's still independent, you know, but it's more like a little bit more accessible. But I mean, uh, uh, Grumpy's just has like a re- really good uh, reputation just for being uh, for so long, you know? Yeah, totally. I would say like, I didn't really get the dive bar vibe from it. I think like, might be the difference between American dive bar versus Canadian dive bar, but it was, I love that place. I thought it was awesome. Um, and also I do love dive bar, dive bar, but I, I got more of like, a, um, not like artsy and like, uh, I, I guess to me, like it was like a middle ground where like, you know, if you were more of a <clears throat> inclined for appreciation of art or jazz, you could, you could, you know, go hang out at Grumpy's and, or if you were maybe just, you know, wanted to have a quiet beer or something like that. I don't know. It was like a middle ground of, uh, yes. it, it was very accessible for, uh, perhaps a lot of different. Exactly. It is. You're right. You know, uh, we use the word dive bar because, you know, it's, it's in a basement and it's sure, kind of sure, small. Yeah. But uh, but no, it's true. It's not that divey. And like uh, you said, you guys were there for the um, uh, free jazz, the, the yeah, improv, yeah. improv jazz. Brian, night, you know, yeah, yeah. Brian got Brian, on the drums. Yeah, on the drums, our friend Brian. Oh, that was great. Um, yeah, and then there was the also comedians in there. Yeah, the, the open uh, mic, open mic night. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes, you know, in Montreal, there's really a blend of that: the open mic scene, the comedy scene, the the music scene. You know. Uh, uh, yeah, there, that's us. Yeah, yeah. Would, that's. I was say, would you do an open mic night there, at Grumpy's? If I would do it, what's the question? Would you do an open mic night at Grumpy's? Would you be an open? No, mic I'm saying, night? would you do it though? If I like would you, perform? Who, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what? I've been thinking about it. You know, like, like you just. Should. Just saying so, something funny, you know, I mean, I saw Gritty go up. I mean, yeah. I would never, I mean, uh, we were there. They didn't want to let you go up, Gritty, <laughs> yeah. you know? It, it just, it, it almost happened like, uh, like, you know, like the hand of God, you know, said, okay, hey, Gritty, you can go, you know? Right. <laughs> and, and, and that was just funny to see, you know? Yeah. But I mean, I've, I've been there at times where there's like, there's like no audience, you know, I'm the only audience for the open especially when it's starting out early in the evening, you know? So um, uh, me going up to the open mic or just hanging out there, it's almost the same thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> just being yeah, a regular yeah, there, yeah. it's almost like you're, you're at an open mic, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, very cool. cool. Um, Yo, is, is there a... So, yeah. Uh, no, you go, yeah, you go, Chris. Like, oh, wait, 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 what are you going to say? 
No, no, no. I was just going to say. <laughs> um, well, no, no. What were you going to say? But, is there a high art scene? A little yeah. bit separate. Yeah, there's a from, big high art uh, from the low, from the DIY, you know, stuff that might be a little bit more. I don't know what the right word is, but for example, like what the submissives are doing, which yeah, that seems like it's yes. totally on on like another yes. level. Yeah. Yes, yes, the submissive is, is a very interesting band, you know, uh, because they have like a pop sensibility, but it, it's, it's kind of like an art, punk art thing at the same time. Uh, but, uh, but, but, it, but it's a good indication of what Montreal is. You know, Montreal is a city that is the perfect size because it's not too big that it's just like corporations that have taken over that uh, thousands of, of 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 chain restaurants all over the place and all that. No, because it's not big enough, and it's not too small that there's nothing that there's no venues and all that. It's just the perfect size, you know, and 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 that's why the I feel that the scene remains uh, vibrant, you know. And there's a lot of intermixing, a lot of uh, uh, of people that uh, uh, have careers in the contemporary art world, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, go to DIY shows, you know. Uh, a lot of people that are signed of like on, on big record labels, like electronic artists. I mean, uh, uh, Ninja Tune, which is a label, uh, uh, had uh, uh, headquarters here in the in the late '90s, you know. And uh, and uh, uh, you guys all know uh, Arcade Fire too, you know. So uh, you have these these bands, these uh, these artists that have been able to have like impact and uh, um, uh, uh, that sort of seeps into everything so when you go see like a, a big um, uh, uh, art show like a high art show you see elements of like uh, that sort of rebelliousness or that avant-garde thing that the that the DIY scene is really good at and uh, that blends in ah, very cool that's um so i wanted to talk about <clears throat> garner fest a little bit uh, i mean we've obviously talked a little bit about it but i mean as far as um you know we've talked about shows opening up and everything you that well actually for one thing because actually i don't really even know has you said some things have opened up in Montreal, has there been anything like a like a show opening up in Montreal or like a concert or something, anything like that? Yeah, so no. Uh, right now, the only thing that hasn't been given a date to open up is news. So okay. people are a little bit worried, you know, but sure. everything, but but at the same time, you know, it's, to me, if I'm trying to get the pulse, I feel that it's, it's on its way, you know. It, it has to be like in the next month, within the next month. Mm. Yeah, I think it might definitely like it might be a little bit different with Montreal versus um, Boston and also just the U.S. as a whole, Canada, a little bit different. Um, how also the virus was handled, I think, or in the States anyway, it was, wasn't it was handled poorly as far as uh, containment, um, you know, and, and so it's hard 
to say, because I was going to say, of course, that, you know, they haven't canceled or anything. I mentioned any cancellations of Goner Fest. So I'm just wondering what's going to happen with that. Um, you know, it's just, there's so many people together that it, it's hard to say. And I guess they're probably just going to give it its time. You know, also the self is better than off what seems I don't want to say the entire self, but a lot, a lot of places in the South seem to be better off than um, Massachusetts was hit pretty hard. I think we were number three from uh, New York and New Jersey. I think we're, or might've been Connecticut. Either way, New York was hit the hardest in the U S but Massachusetts we were hit pretty hard with it. Um, so we're pretty strict as it's been strict as far as like reopening things. Um, that being said, not really strict in as far as like people can go out and stuff like that they want to walk around hang out with other people but as far as um you know things being opened up it's been a real slow process which i think it should be um so it's hard to say you know what i mean and the, unfortunately you know we have the government bail out all these major corporations but like I, we were saying before i'm like my, my I, you know it's hard to say how these small venues survive yeah, that's a big that's a big uh, uh, that's a big issue here too. You know, yeah. uh, I'm I want to say that I'm being like very optimistic, sure, sure. but I, I I honestly don't know when they're gonna open yeah, up. Yeah, and uh, there there hasn't been like an official announcement right. yet. You know, but I ju- I'm just saying because museums are supposed to open soon. You know, and you could consider that yeah. like a cultural space. You know. Yeah, There's a lot of factors. You know. Um, but, you know, it's like, it's tough. You know, there's no way of getting around it. You know, you have a show, people tend to be closer together. Um, I mean, people are going to have drinks. They got to go to the bathroom. Might even get Audi and they might do get close <laughs> together. You know, I mean, get close together. And then, you know, and it, it just is... Is um, the versus a museum might be easier to see. You're right. Well. You're right. Which yeah. which brings me to something I do want to bring up, if you don't mind. Sure. Um, uh, uh, I've seen some people uh, say that um, uh, they're happy that there's going to be restriction because they were always against moshing. I saw one person say that, but hold on. Go, continue. What were you going to say? Yeah, and I was one. I, I'll tell you right away my opinion. I, I mean, I'm okay with moshing, you know? Yeah, so, yeah. So, I, I mean, I, it can get stupid sometimes, but, sure, but I mean, yeah. it's part of the risk, you know, but I'm okay with it in general, you know, and I yeah. don't, don't feel like it. I don't partake in it. What's your take on it? At that point, um, actually, I will say not, I think about it a little bit more. It was more the point was not when, my, when I saw, I did see people, they were, they did mention Mosh. It was, it was just one person. It was a Facebook post. And this was early on, in like March or something you know, late March, mid-March, I'm not sure. But they were like, yeah, when shows come back and with, uh, you know, it was just a Facebook post, I, shows come back, I'm, I'm actually kind of fine with the restrictions because now we'll get rid of all the the stupid moshing and spitting and pissing and all that kind of GGL and shit or whatever. And it's like, yeah, I mean, I get that. I agree to it with that kind of stuff. But at the same time, like, that's a more extreme example. But, like... I want to say honestly, like fuck that, because like to me that I don't like that kind of policing of like that sort of you know what I mean of being personal. I I I mean yeah I get it. Nobody wants to get pissed on or spit on it. I get it. Yeah, 
I, I agree. Or whatever, you know, cod in a mosh, but be in get 100%. Same time, it's like m- most experiences, you kind of, you know, you kind of know, okay, here's the mosh pit. You know, I can kind of stand outside of it, you know, or whatever. I don't like, I've never been a fan of that kind of attitude of someone sort of dictating that for the rest of the show, you know, for the rest of the crowd. And um, that, that's kind of my take on it. At the same time, I get it. I don't, I don't want someone to have an unpleasant experience. And so that, yeah, you know, caught up in a launch bin, they don't want to, but more often than not, it's a lot of times people who are, you know, um, they're just kind of mad for, for, you know, for no reason or they, 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 it's like, yeah, I mean, sometimes, yeah, you might not be able to stand front and center because that might be where the mosh pit is at a certain show, but you know, that's the environment of it, you know, in some ways. And it's like, we sort of dictate, well, are we going to compromise the environment of that, you know, the, what the, what, you know, and it, it brings into a lot of questions. What does the show, you know, what's the environment of the show and everything. Yep. You know? I, I, I see what you're saying. And uh, uh, we can go back to good honor about this because uh, uh, we've been through various goners and uh, uh, it's not always the same energy yeah. that is uh, conducive to motion. Sure. You know? And, and sometimes you even think there's going to be motion and there isn't. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I think, and I, I don't want to, um, misspeak or or you know um <clears throat> you know it could be just my own experience but for the most part in my experiences if you're outside of the mosh pit there's some there's some blowback especially if you're around it but for the most part when you're outside of it no one's pushing you into it no one's forcing you into that situation there's only been a couple of times that's happened in my experience and that was more kind of hardcore metal shows and um you know, and that was like once or twice. And I have heard of that in older hardcore shows from like the nineties. Now, again, I don't want to negate or deny anyone's experiences. If they have experienced that they, they have, um, I can speak from my own personal experience that those were really the only couple times other times than that. I've never really seen anyone be like, you're standing completely outside of it. And someone's dragging you in. It really isn't, you know, that, so, but, but there are people that are like, I don't like moshing. I don't like this. And they, for the most part, they've kind of, they've been around, but they've kind of been a smaller voice. So I could see that as an opportunity for someone, someone to take this as an opportunity to silence that stuff. And, and, but for me personally, I mean, honestly, though, I look at like the, the shows I've enjoyed the most, the shows I felt the most memorable and with like one or two exceptions, they're almost always shows where there was like a crazy mosh pit. You know, Do you feel you know, that, that I was just thinking that even if I wasn't directly involved with it, it was just even like seeing it, the vibe of the the vibe of the room, you know. Yeah. It's it's it really is. It takes you out of regular life, you know, in a way. It's like this, you know, this total vibe, you know. Um, and at the smaller spaces, I feel like it's actually a little bit better and people are more polite and more you're able to kind of navigate away it, it gets a little more chaotic at the bigger venues but uh, sorry what are you gonna say Glenn? well you know, i'm bringing myself back and both of you can relate to this picture yourself at the front and center of the high what's tone. that front and center of the high tone 
Hello. And hey, Chris. Hey, Hugo. Yes. Sorry. Yes. So, picture. Yeah. Hold on. Picture uh, your picture, picture. Picture yourself. What? At the high tone in Memphis. Front and center at the high tone. Oh, okay, the high tone. All right. I couldn't hear what you said. Okay, okay. gotcha. Yeah. So yep. there have been occasions where I believe it all depends. All been on, there. It depends on your experience. Where if all of a sudden there's stuff that comes from behind, and this can be at any place, but you you have people coming from behind, and your knees can buckle into the the stage. So yep. I, most people, I believe, they know what they're getting into. But I could see how someone could be like, "I'm just trying to." Sorry, you're my... coming in and out. I can't really hear. Hold yeah. on, I didn't hear what you. I didn't hear what you said that. Uh, you said, "Yeah, picture yourself with the high tone." What? Yes, and then all of a sudden, someone comes and your knees buckle into the stage. Yeah. Yeah, that's an amazing feeling. Some people could say that they weren't, they don't like it or they weren't expecting it, I feel, but others just love it. I, yeah, well, I, I get that, but after a certain point, I feel like, you know, I mean, unless you're new to this, I, I, I don't know. I mean, for the most part, I think you, you should and probably do getting into it. A, at a certain point, I mean, uh, really, like if you're going to a punk or a rock and roll show, I mean, um, and I even know people that are like, I actually would be like, hey, like, too bad you don't come out to a show, but they like they almost, I, I get that almost that could be a bad thing. People like don't want to get into something for whatever reason, but um, but they're almost like, yeah, that's why I don't go to something like that. But I'm almost like, hey, you don't have to necessarily not go to it entirely, but. Honestly, to me, though, it really, like, I think most people have the common sense to be like, okay, I'm not going to stand that close to the state or in that area. That's the thing. I, I really do think that, and, and a lot of times it, it's almost like a stubborn thing. It's a stubborn attitude to be like, okay, so, like, you know, I, I, I want to stand right here, though, and I want to have, you know, that's where, it, I, I don't know, to me, it's kind of like, I get it, but like, okay, so, are we going to base everything around like one or two people? You know what I mean? I, 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 don't, I don't feel like most of the rest of life really works that way, you know? Um, and yeah. let's put it this way. I mean, yeah, we're talking like Goner Fest Garage Rock. You go into other genres like, you know, hardcore metal where moshing is way more fundamental to it. At a certain point, you kind of get, you're like, okay, are you just changing the entire experience for, you know, for a lot of people? Um, you know, it might, you could argue it might be a safer thing physically for people, but I mean, so is, you know, all right, are we going to have just, it's just football straight up just going to be totally, you know, two hand touch, you know what I mean? You know, at a certain point, do you kind of like, do you just, do you get rid of boxing? Cause that's gonna, you know I mean? Certain people, you, you enter a certain situation, you kind of accept it, I think. Right. You know what I mean? I, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and, and yeah, I mean, you're bound to, yes, have people that maybe weren't, I don't know, it, it's weird, because on one hand, I, I'm not saying I agree with that, even even myself, 100%, but, but I think that it, there's different factors to weigh in. 
And I think a lot of people do accept that. I, I really think it's like a, just a small minority of people that, that don't accept that. And I, a lot more often than not, I feel like just kind of a stubborn attitude that they, they know that. Uh, let, uh, like I feel bad for the person that doesn't really have any, you know, that's totally ignorant and, and you know, just kind of like, uh, you know, was in a bad place at the bad time. Okay. That sucks. If you thought, you know, you were at like kind of a radio show and then suddenly, you know, sick thoughts or whoever, like Giorgio murder hits the stage and like whatever, you know, whatever it is. And suddenly this tornado hits and like you were standing front and center and you got beer thrown on you or whatever. And like someone elbows you in the nose and whatever the fuck happens. I don't know. Uh, let me say the. I think this was my second it was in 2015 maybe yep. and um, uh, it was the after party at, at the Buccaneer oh damn we missed that yeah. and, and um, uh, actually I think it was the same year you guys were there but you didn't go to that after party no we were think, there just not at the after party yeah exactly exactly and uh, a mystic inane was playing and they're kind of like a hardcore punk band from new orleans you know uh yeah. they're really good and it was packed and and if you know like goner fest i mean they all just came from the main sure. show so everyone was pretty much drunk you oh know? yeah that's and the that's the beauty of those after parties <laughs> exactly you know and and i mean and these guys are just an amazing band and uh i was right in front and i stopped people from falling on the drummer yeah, yeah, dude, that had, I mean, I've, I've been in both the situations. I've been the person that stops. So I've been the person that's fallen right into the drum. And, yeah, and, you know, yeah. and the show wouldn't have been as memorable if that wasn't part of my tasks that night, you know? Like, yeah, yeah, like, totally. You know what I mean? I felt like I helped the show go well, you know? If it wasn't for me, it could have been a disaster. Yeah. Well, to quote, to quote yeah. you, you, Hugo, there's a lot to unpack here. <laughs> Because it really, it opens up a lot of, like, a can of worms where you're like, there's certain things that you know, we, we may one day, and I, I mean, I'm the first person to say this, I won't, but someday someone, we might co collectively agree and be like, you know what, yeah, that was all stupid in a way, and it was fun, it was fun, but it was all kind of stupid, and we were young and stupid, and it was it was great, and why don't we all, we just silently, you know, enjoyed um you know, we'll just like kind of like we'll dance moderately. We'll enjoy the show. I ain't gonna be the fucking first person to say that. I won't do that. Fuck that. I'm gonna go down in blazes. You know, but like, you know, what I mean, but it's like that would be the saner and smarter and like way to look at things. But at the same time, it's like fuck that because it's like well, we also want to have fun and you know, and and it, I guess it's the price you pay sometimes. You know, but yeah. overall, it's like I feel like you know, yeah, you. You survived with a, you know, maybe a couple bumps along the way. You know, there, there, there again, there are some nasty situations. I feel like overall, it, it, I, I don't know. It's overall, it's okay. There, there's, it depends who, it depends what crowd, what even like time, for, time period you're talking. Um, there's so many factors. There's so many other, you know. Perhaps, uh, and you know. and uh, coming from a, a hip hop perspective, uh, I used to go to hip hop shows and there was never uh, mosh pits. But now, uh, uh, moshing is actually a big part of hip hop shows. Really? Okay, I didn't yes. even know that. Wow. And this is a recent development, you know. And uh, and it just speaks to the fact that there's an energy in the air that needs to be released, you know. 
And, and yeah. it has to be, it has, to, it's something that happens organically, you know, like it happens, it usually happens on, on a good song, you know, yeah. it doesn't happen like on a regular song, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, so, yeah. so it, it, it's kind of a reaction to what the musicians are playing, you know, it's, it's a dialogue with the band. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing. And it's like in my, and I'm sure all of our experiences, it's usually, it's more of a, uh, you know, a happy fun it's like wrestling you know kind of like a fun kind of even though you could argue it's violent in a way it's more of a fun sort of attitude um you know uh admittedly it gets a little bit less appealing as i get older but still fun you know like it's one of those things where i don't feel inclined to do it every show that i go to but when i was younger i was a little bit more inclined to do that that being said you know that fun element you know Bands, crowds, hard. Yeah, I, again, I don't want to pitch in a hardcore because hardcore rather because I don't think it's that's how it is at every. It isn't in my you know what I've seen. It's not like that at every. I don't know as much about hardcore, but um, especially modern day kind of stuff. But from what I gather, it's not like that universally. But there are certain scenes, at least even historically, where that fun element wasn't as much this focus. Where it was the focus was really the anger, the brutality, mm-hmm. straight up. You know, what I mean, straight up, like there'll be people um, that I know, they'll say that it's like, you know, like for some of us, it's like someone falls down in front of you, you pick them back up. Right. That's the community vibe. The other, some of the, some people are like, fuck that. They go down, they're down. It's a, it's a war zone. I don't relate to that at all. You know what I mean? Um, um, we can yeah. just bring, bring up the situation last year when uh, Brian lost his glasses. Yeah. yeah. I, I remember yeah. People pulling out their cell phone to to yeah to, exactly exactly to, to look for the for Brian's glasses yeah you know? exactly and see that's the kind of stuff I like and the community sort of vibes um you know and and, and there's all sorts of in between you know what I mean there are literally people who and I'm probably one of them where it's like sometimes you don't even realize you know you know someone would be like this is like everyone getting a little bit out of hand or a little too rowdy Could this but be the scenes time, half the time people don't realize it because they're just caught up in the phone i mean and they might not even realize it what's that this could be the seeds of a documentary titled brian's glasses that explores the sense of community <laughs> that, <laughs> that participants <laughs> feel yeah. by helping just through brian's just through brian's eyes the, the community through brian's eyes <laughs> Shot on Super 8 Hugo <laughs> B with added commentary. Dude, I... Yeah. Yeah. Guys, I mean, I mean, thank you for, for like having me on, on this podcast. Oh, yeah. I've been listening. I've been listening to uh, the recordings you guys have been making. And, and I think podcasting is, is 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 like super interesting medium now uh, uh people that have something in common together having con- long long term long uh, long form conversations you know i think that i think that's crucial and uh, everything that we talked about um uh, uh is stuff that is really important to my life you know just like new music being out uh, uh, uh around musicians listening to music sharing uh 
a moment with people. Uh, uh, that's all great, you know, and I can't wait for uh, kids like you and me to start putting on shows again. And I can travel from Montreal to, to Boston to, to, to see uh, 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 kids like you and me show. Hell yeah, man. And we can't wait to come to Montreal, too. I want to go show, play a show, just um, all the above, you know, um, just even yeah. hang out. Absolutely. No, thank you yeah, so man. much, Hugo. This hey, is really Hugo. Any last minute shout outs, plugs? Yeah, we really we're very humbled, very appreciated. We appreciate you for everything that you do, and we appreciate you being on our show. Um, and for putting up with all of our shenanigans all over these uh, over these years since you met us on a hot day in Memphis and <laughs> thought we were mistook us for Archie in the bunkers. But uh, <laughs> um, you once called us greasy, sleek, greasy, sleazy freaks of an unknown kind. I felt that was <laughs> one of the best, if not the best descriptions of us. Um, any last minute shout outs, plugs? Yeah. I, yeah. I just want to say um, uh, Time Warp Weekends on SoundCloud. Time Warp Weekends. That's uh, uh, my radio show. I update it with... Uh, Lots of stuff, underground garage punk, uh, uh, local stuff from Montreal, you know. Um, uh, I've been writing uh, uh, some uh, uh, articles for zines, so uh, I'm going to promote that on the, on the radio show. Uh, uh, and uh, that's it, you know, and just looking forward to things opening up again so we can all be together in the same space. Hell yeah. Perfect. Uh, well, be, be safe out there. Right. Hell yeah. On that note, yeah, be safe and we'll see you soon. Thanks, Hugo. Thank you, Thank guys. You. Thank Have you. a good one. You too. Cheers.